Lingua Britannica is a podcast that uses ethnographic interviews to study language use in the extreme metal community. We are studying a music scene known for its love of themes and topics generally considered offensive, and it is likely that some episodes will touch on topics or opinions some listeners may find tasteless or ethically problematic. Ethnographic researchers aim to adopt the interviewee's point of view so that we can draw out and study the attitudes, beliefs, and practices that are important to them. We want to make it clear that in presenting these conversations here, we do not endorse any of their content. Our aim is to explore the thought processes behind language use in this long-running international and yet understudied scene. everyone, welcome back to Lingua Brutalica with me, Jess Crook, and my co-host, Wes Robertson. Hello. Today we'll be chatting to Jason Nitz and Alex Damsky of Warforged. Uh, thanks Yo. for being with us. <laughs> yeah, Hello. Hello. Yes, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. You're Our voices here. may not indicate it, but we, we are very excited. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's a good way to start. Yeah. Hell yeah. So we usually start off by just getting the bands that we interviewed to describe their music for someone who hasn't heard it. So you, could you start us off oh, with that? It's, <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. Music. It's, <laughs> it's heavy music that we like to make. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a nice, it's simple definition. Yeah. Our first record is different than our current record. Our first record might be like a weird blend yeah. of uh, Opeth and uh, yeah, dissonant if, death metal type shit. If somebody was like going to ask us, like what kind of metal do you play and they need the genrefication i would say maybe a progressive death metal you know yeah progressive death metal leanings of so i'd wrap it up too maybe mm. it throws a nice uh broad uh but i would say i would hope that uh by listening to our music that you would get the vibe that you don't know what to expect mm. with song from song i would hope some people get that out of it but yeah okay hopefully hopefully that's a decent answer to the yeah that's a that's a great answer (laughs) and leads in great to our like follow-up which is uh you know encyclopedia metallum calls you progressive blackened death metal um is that a good description (laughs) to your ears Uh, or maybe i don't know maybe some of the older stuff but a lot of like some of the guys don't listen to black metal some of the guys do i don't know it's not very blackened we're not the type that like require you to fit it in a box we just like you know just listen to it if you dig it we're down just want to play cool shit yeah you know? i don't know what to do. <laughs> but it's it's death metal That's yeah progressive, progressive metal most of the time i just i just tell people we're a metal band okay and, you know yeah, especially when you're on tour and you stop at a gas station and some guy and in people Tennessee don't know like, hey where are you guys you know you know in a, in a rock <laughs> band yeah kind of like metallica leave, yeah you know? <laughs> but i would say yeah, yeah. I don't know. Hopefully we're uh, nailing it on the head here. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so what got you two into metal and how did you move into kind of listening to the style of music that you currently make? Oh, man. Um, I, I think like most people get into metal. I've answered this question so many times. I don't know, like, the right way to answer it um, and have it sound as unique. But I guess, like, I don't know, getting into metal at a younger age. Because it was very exciting music, I feel like. Um, 
for me uh getting into like i was always into prog rock and stuff like that growing up my dad was into that and then just getting exposed to like sick bad new metal bands of chicago like disturbed not that Mm -hmm. i'm trying to talk shit by any (laughs) by any means because i'm not but i had some disturbed cds back in you know sixth grade i had some metallica cds some system of a down and you know like like the metalhead that gets in from a starting point you get deeper and deeper into it and find everything and yeah i guess uh kind of got where we are by um i don't know a lot of trial and error with a lot of different people in in the band over the years and uh but yeah i, I think we're kind of at that point where it's like trying everybody is sort of in that mindset to make like-minded music with one another hmm. um how would you answer that i guess or how do you want to answer yeah, that? I, mean, I, don't know. I just i got into <laughs> i just uh i don't know i got into shit my my cousin would uh he was into metal i listened to like you know just whatever was on the radio back then you know third eye blind was a big band vertical horizon stuff like that like late 90s you know i was like eight or nine years old so it was like whatever was on you just like kind of gravitate towards and then you know my older cousin he's like six years older than me he showed me and my brother uh like you know metallica and megadeth and shit and like i I just thought it was cool like i i i I don't know like everyone has like this like exciting like a moment of like this like well yeah i I realized it was awesome (laughs) and it was just like i don't know i like i just i kind of liked it and i just started listening to it and like you know it's like then you get like into bands that scream and stuff and that kind of takes you a second you know there was a band called beyond the embrace that like really got me into like the screaming vocal stuff they were like they were a band from massachusetts that kind of like straddled between like metalcore and like swedish like mellow death stuff and um you know they had clean singing and stuff they had like this kind of james hetfield style clean singing stuff but they would also scream it was kind of like in flames type screaming shit so like you know it got me into like that stuff and then I don't know. I think I just like from there, you know, I just like got into more progressive elements of shit. I, I just really appreciate the more I played bass and stuff like the more I appreciated like technicality of music. And, you know, that just kind of, you know, <laughs> brought me on to, you know, uh, just just getting into like deeper, like extreme music, death metal stuff, fucking uh, progressive music, all that kind of shit. You know, and it's like it's it's never stopped since really <laughs> you know i don't know it's mm. uh that's kind of that's kind of where it came from you know it, i don't know it's like playing playing an instrument really makes you appreciate the more ext- i mean I, it, that's what you kind of see when you're like playing an extreme band it's like when when like when when you talk to people that come to your shows they all play instruments most of the time you know or like they have aspirations to be in a band it's like that's kind of i feel like the the big fan base is you all just want to play music and challenge yourself you know that's kind of where it where it always leads Mm. so i mean of course all the bands that we talked to about how they got into metal like refer to the music as kind of the key factor that drew them to the genre but did the lyrics make a difference to either of you at all when you first kind of got into that style of music oh hell yeah yeah i think so big time definitely definitely. yeah because it was like i when i was younger like in middle school i really got into uh like King Diamond and uh, mm-hmm. like his, like the concept records that he would do, you know, like almost, I mean, minus a few of them, a lot of his records are concept records. So that was kind of like my big introduction into that world. Um, 
because it seemed to be it seems a lot more commonplace i feel like in metal more than any other genre of music these days that you see concept records like because even i don't know the music i would listen to a lot of progressive rock like yes king crimson while they would all have conceptual pieces of music it wasn't always you know the whole record told the story like pink floyd's the wall or something like that um uh I just totally lost my train of thought there. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, what was the initial question? I like I was making a point and then I forgot the initial point we were. Yeah, just like how do the lyrics like help you get into metal? Right. Yeah. Um yeah, you get the it's like you, there's I think there's a certain sophistication along with, you know, you get both sides of the spectrum with metal. You get like very sophisticated style lyrics and then you get, you know, uh, I'm gonna fucking murder you. you know, <laughs> with you know, and I'm not saying that that's it. It's not just a black and white thing. There's a lot of stuff in between that. Uh, but yeah, I think that that was a big part of it for me. Was I was always a, attracted to that aspect of uh, heavy music because I always felt. I, I think at a younger age too, I felt like there was more to latch onto because it was like about something, mm. something else that I could, you know, like. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, like in when we were growing up, it was like the, like the big shit in like middle school was either like you listen to like you know emo shit or like you know like that kind of like pop punk stuff in like two thousand four yeah, or we're it was 30. like little little yeah, yeah. yeah. for reference we were, we're both born in ninety one so you so, know yeah. when we were listening to yeah, a lot of metal My Chemical Romance yeah and to get the discos popping off yeah and then like uh, Lil Wayne was really popular Lil Wayne like, shit like that where it was yeah. like it was either like like you know like this like really sad heavy music aggressive shit or it was like it hadn't come around to the like the cooler point it's kind of at now where you see a lot right. of like new hip-hop and new newer types of music kind of embracing whether it's a you know purely kind of an aesthetic type of thing from it or you know son sonically speaking you could see more of that stuff kind of bleed over into edges of other styles of music now which i think is cool yeah. but um you know everybody's got an opinion right so <laughs> Yeah, it was very much like, you know, when I was, you know, it's like it was like, yeah, it was like that the pop punk stuff that was like talking about like, you know, like, you know, being uh maybe being sad or like, you know, like I didn't really care about that. And then like the rap stuff that was coming that was like really big. uh I didn't like identify with that either. Like, you know, getting you know, I was like a 13. I didn't identify with getting drunk or like doing drugs. So it was like, but like kids our age did for some reason. Some I kids did. I, yeah, I didn't get I didn't get it. And like I do now. But I, exactly. Yeah. It's like, but it's like I would listen to like Dream Theater or Symphony X or something. Which you could like, relate to much more. Well, it didn't, yeah, give, it didn't like, have to give me anything to relate to. Yeah. It was just like a thing where it was like a right. It's kind not of about relating to it. Yeah. That, like, I don't really identify with those lyrics now, like those bands right. do, like the fantasy kind of stuff. I don't but I think really at a younger with. age, it's easier to it attach is, on to shit like that. Especially like Lord yeah. of the Rings was really big at the time. Like, oh yeah, let's go, Blind yeah. Guardian. Yeah, Blind Guardian was like a big you know, deal for me early sweet. on, and like, and yeah, and like Lord of the Rings was like a big movie at the time. And like, I kind of really liked that fantasy <laughs> stuff. Now, like, something about me just like. I attached to it and like the, there was like this whole package with some of those bands. Like, yeah. I think there's an appeal to it stuff. for, yeah. you know, people that like Alex was kind of saying when popular music isn't exactly something you could find yourself attaching to, yeah, I think, I uh, especially at a younger age too, the lyrical content of metal was cool. Cause it is sort of an escape. It's, it, and it was to me, I always like love the storytelling aspect of it and how that was always a big primary focus of a lot of, you know, lyrics of metal songs and metal bands. Um, 
yeah, that would be yeah. my that would be my answer. Yeah, to that that's, question. That's good. It's an interesting like kind of I don't want to call it a contradiction, but there, but something here that I I'd like to probe probe into a bit, which is that you're saying you know uh, with the the pop punk sad and the, the rap songs about alcohol and stuff, you couldn't identify with it. But it's not like you could identify with like stories of fighting dragons or like you know murdering people either, right? So no, what about yeah. the what about like that metal the, a, the lack of identification with metal was why was that more attractive lyric wise than the lack of identification with, uh, a, you know, it's a, it's a fantasy. It was a like, fantasy. It's an, yeah, it's an escape. Kind of like what Alex said, it's mm -hmm. you're, you're focusing your art on something that is either bigger than you or isn't you. And I think right. that in a way um, it could be very appealing because it sort of kind of gives you a, a freedom of being like, fuck, this is my take on whatever the fuck subject matter might be you know whether it's something completely original or you know i mean these days it's like you look there's like metal bands that theme themselves off of uh video games movies tv shows right. you know what i mean it's like they'll take their entire band all their songs are about warhammer or you know <laughs> I mean, mm. maybe that's a bad example but you know what i mean it's like yeah. there's bands that that take yeah. that route and uh i Older, think elder scrolls games you know mm -hmm. um I think at the time, at least for like at, at, for the at the time that I was listening to more music and that was heavy into that and I was attracted to more of that music, I think it was because I did like the escape because it was hard to relate to things sung in a lot of pop songs at the time. And mm -hmm. it's funny because it's like we're talking about it. And, I, you know, Alex is saying like, yeah, at the time, you know, all these songs about fucking people and doing a lot of drugs and drinking like we couldn't relate to it because we're you know nerdy ass dudes that listen to metal right, yeah. but it's like now that i'm an adult i listen to way more music like that because i can relate to it right. which is kind of funny how it just comes around that way at a different time yeah. in your life which um, is weird yeah when you're a kid it's just like yeah. whatever whatever gets like thrown at you you kind of try to like some kids could relate to that you well know? Well, I I kids that did a lot of fucked up shit yeah right but I don't know how many of them like related to it or just like that was maybe their fantasy thing, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Where it because... was like, but I just I just know I, I liked the heavy sound. Damn, of the... That's an interesting thing to think yeah, about, you know, but it's like I, I like the heavy deep sound deep. of it. So I kind of just took the lyrics for like what they were like. I tried to find a way to like, yeah, make them, you know, I, I try to find a way to like think they were like, you know, it's like now it's like my favorite shit. shit. Too. Metallica's talking about being in a sanitarium, dude, and being crazy. Like you like the music so much, you just like you just try to find a way to relate to the lyrics in some way where you're like, mm. well, this is like really just cool. I mean, I remember like the song One by Metallica, like that's you know, that's a kind of a it's not a fantasy, but it's like a war theme mm. song. And I remember that Story just like to it. Yeah, I remember that song having like a like an impact on like I don't know. I always thought that, especially with the video where like he's just talking about like having no limbs and not being able to talk and speak that's like right. scary shit you know and it's like that's a very conceptual song right. for metallica you know what right. i mean especially yeah, at especially, the time yeah very, there was a lot of focus on that especially in yeah. the video and it was just like i don't know there was something about that that like really got to me because i just i just like the music so much that like whatever the lyrics were it's like when you're that young it's just like whatever the lyrics are it's like i'll find a way to fucking you find a way like to, that shit yeah. you know yeah. it's like because i love the music so much it's like it's more right. about the sound than anything and i think that's always the most important part with like anything with lyrics it's like you got to make sure the melody or the rhythm of the lyrics is going to be the shit because that's what makes it good you know the lyrics can be the most beautiful thing ever but if they don't fit the song in any way it's like who cares you know mm -hmm. that's the most important part about lyrics is they gotta fit the song they got to fit the sound of the song. They got to fit rhythmically and like melodically into it. 
and like you know the bands i was listening to metallica does that so well because hetfield writes shit he writes rhythms and melodies before he writes the lyrics you know and mm-hmm. it's like he just makes sure that shit fits before he does it and uh that's kind of how i felt about it it's like i i'll like it if it like fits well and if it does i'll find a way to more to serve the song right. rather than to right. be a focal point but on I ten, I, oh sorry i'm sorry no what were you gonna say oh just i mean um talk, beyond the question of just kind of rhythm and spacing though like content wise is there uh are there times where like even though the lyrics fit the rhythm really well uh kind of the content of them is disappointing or that you don't vibe with and that can take you out of a song uh sometimes with i think i think with metal uh Depending on what you're, I mean, I, I would say at least where I'm at as a human being now in my tastes in music, I don't really listen to metal for the lyrical content. I can't relate to a lot of it personally. Um, some of it I can, but a lot of it these days doesn't really catch my interest as much as lyrics and hip hop or even some pop music and other genres um, where I think there's a little bit more of a focus on it. Uh, but I think that um, you know, I think that there's it's it's sort of like a malleable thing in a way where it's like you could you could really I mean you you can write a song like that you could write a song starting with lyrics we did that you know like mm-hmm. there's so many different ways you could really interpret it and and really base what you want to communicate what you want to do with your song I just feel that uh I don't know I th- I think it's more interesting to be on the um, experimental side of that. And and try mm. to lean into it rather than just sort of like serve the lyrics as an afterthought because I I I don't I'm not trying to say that a lot of bands don't think about it but I think with metal you know like you guys were saying a lot of people get into it based on the musicianship the extremity yeah. of the musicianship and lyrics can sometimes be looked at as an afterthought you know and then you get your bands that yeah. are and I'm not knocking it but you know you get your legacy bands your legacy death metal bands that. You know, pump out a record, you know what you're going to get, you know what kind of lyrical content you're going to get on, like a Cannibal Corpse record. It's like, what do you think Mm. you're going to get listening to that? You think you're going to get one about fucking hearing a story about Frank Sinatra smoking a blunt? Probably not. You're probably, (laughs) I don't know what you would listen to to get that, but I'm just saying, for example, Mm. um, Warforged record, we'll talk about that. I think, (laughs) I think, no, we maybe, but Uh, uh, yeah, maybe the next, next one, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I just think that um, it's an underutilized element of metal in certain aspects, and I wish sometimes there would be more of a push on it uh, in other ways. Personally, that's how I felt about it in recent years in heavy music, and I feel that it can sometimes be an afterthought for people, whether it's you know because of the fact that it's screaming you know when you're talking about extreme death metal or black metal you know a lot of those vocal styles it's like i'm not gonna show that to my grandma and she's gonna be like yo hit that motherfucking repeat button right now you know she's gonna be like i don't know what the fuck is going on um and i think that that in itself is a big turn off to a lot of people obviously mm. you know obviously people like us who listen to the genre you know we love it but to a lot of people it's not the most attractive part of the style of music and i think because of that and because of how it's looked at as an afterthought in certain aspects sometimes it might not be the focal point um and then you look at bands that like to write or maybe preferentially preferentially like to write conceptually let's say i think sometimes lyrics uh 
can change in the in the sense where they're written to serve a bigger you know they're written to serve a story and paint a picture rather than you know it, it, basically what i'm saying the intent could be about anything really mm. uh, but i think that i think i feel like at least based on my experiences in heavy music i know more people that are definitely more down with the instrumentation and focus on that rather than the lyrical aspect of it so much but that's my experience. I also do know a few people who fucking, you know, obviously love the lyrical side of it and really get down yeah. with it. There's certain people that are really into the fantasy element or like the core element of stuff yeah. that, you know, I don't I don't necessarily get down with. I like, you know, more down to earth kind of shit. Um, but yeah, there's definitely like that sort of appeal with metal guys. But like, I think, yeah, all, by and large, it's like mostly metal guys are listening to shit for the musical content rather than the lyrical content i i think a lot of times it's, it's interesting you a, say that yeah because um one of the things that like i think the kind of a dichotomy that's like stretched across a lot of episodes for us is uh between people who have kind of had that lyrical approach where the vocals are more of a percussive instrument and so lyrics right. are more like decoration that you add on top of like you know the music um, on the other hand, though, we've also had people like Aaron Carey from um, Nechachwan who have written basically like books, oh, you yeah. know, to accompany their, yeah, <laughs> their songs and stuff. That's you know? sick. That band is fucking awesome. Yeah. But see, that's like a band that like writes music to serve such a greater purpose mm. than just like right. whatever the fuck me and him are talking about. <laughs> guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. I can't. That's uh, awesome. They were on your show. I didn't know that. I'll actually probably well, be going know. back and listening to that episode. Well, you don't think any lyrics are uh, therapeutic in a way i think they can be for sure yeah. oh yeah. hell yeah i think mm -hmm. big time uh depending on where you're coming from with it it could definitely be very therapeutic yeah for sure it's more of like a that's more of like a metalcore hardcore thing though i feel like a lot and sometimes that like what the therapy is and what you're writing about yeah what the angle is. and sometimes that shit is like uh you know like uh, i think it's like a lot of the our new record sundial coming out september 9th <laughs> um, um a lot of what like we wrote on that lyrically was uh you know it's it's a lot more personal stuff but you know there is like a weird thing where i feel like you do have sort to like of. when you when you try to like yeah a lot a lot of the stuff was yeah yeah some of it was a uh, a little bit different based on based on uh other you guys things. are the first people you know. that have had the lyrics other than yeah. us so right. oh. yeah, all oh. the new record yeah we sent, but, uh, I think we sent i sent you guys the whole fucking thing mm -hmm. all the, mm. yeah. yeah so <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah, i'm more curious to hear what what you guys think there's a, that's me but there's a weird thing with like when you're writing personal lyrics where you have to like um balance out what you, what you're comfortable with sharing and what you're like what like i don't know I don't for know. you yeah, I, I feel like just in general like i mean for me for sure I definitely because I, mean, I i feel like uh I, I feel like it's a weird thing if like you write something that's you're maybe not sure about but it feels honest but you got to think about like well do i want to do, do i want people, a person I well yeah like. but it's like do you want do you want people to hear <laughs> Based that on my if i'm gonna balance, if i'm gonna play that if i'm gonna play that song every night like it, do i want to hear I can't that tell my fucking secrets yeah right <laughs> you know, my fucking <laughs> it's true it's like annoying do you want to hear that every night you know it's like do you want to yeah. hear do you want to hear I'm the like, lyrics reminded how much of a piece of shit i am every night well, that's actually, and that's not what I'm saying. It's true, but it's true. It's true, though. I mean, there is a song, the the, the first single on this record is kind of that. It's like, well, I was very like open and honest about that, and it's like, do I want to like? I mean, I'm fine with it. I guess I gotta be. It's already printed, you know. So like, but it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, if you get too personal on something, like there's a there's a thing as in like a a, a musician where it's like, well, 
am I comfortable with this? And like, right. Uh, I think most of the time it's like, even if you are uncomfortable with it, you should just go ahead and do it anyway. Yeah, Cause that's, better be. that's better. That's, that's better for like, you know, I mean, that's more, that's more compelling most of the time. If you're uncomfortable with what you said, cause it's like honest about something. It's probably a good shit. sign. Yeah. yeah. But it's also like, you gotta like listen to it every night. You gotta be like, ah, should I have said that? I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. But that actually that's, leads that's to a uh, kind of a question we had about the whole writing process here before we jump into some of the more lyrics more specifically, because sure. uh, you two both wrote this album, but you don't sing it. And so oh, we're wondering like, is it some of it? Okay. Alex does Alex does co-vocals with her vocalist Timmy does some screaming and Alex does all the singing on the record. Oh, so, really? Okay. Yep. Okay. Well, um, all right, but still the the there are times where you've written, you know, what seem to be quite I, I don't know, know if they're personal or not, but feelings or stories and then kind of handing them off to someone else. Like is there an awkwardness in writing a lyric like uh I'm a fat fucking mess and I'm dirty as shit and saying, "Hey, yeah. well, that's what we had to get Go on stage and well, say we, that, get, you know? we had to get a fat yeah. guy that was dirty to sing that. So, yeah. <laughs> we're all fat guys and we're all dirty, so it's kind of yeah. relatable. To we're all we're all two bills plus, so fuck it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> two bills. Yeah, two bills, yeah. bro. We're in the two hundred club in this band. Hell you know? yeah, man. But but, uh, it, but yeah, it it is kind of a weird thing. I like definitely that was a line that that's kind of what I was talking about. Mm. Is like that line is kind of like. Do I really want to say that? You want to know what I was thinking when I first heard that line? How the fuck are metal fans going to take that? that yeah, I mean, There's I was thinking so that too. There's so many people that'll look at a line like that and, and, and think we're not taking our band seriously. There's There's been plenty yeah. of people who so, look yeah. at that line specifically and they're like, what the fuck is this band singing about? Yeah, and not take a second to think like, oh, wait a minute. I'm singing, a, we're singing, a, we're singing about us, you know? It's mm -hmm. like for, yeah. you know, singing about for once in our band's history. Singing about we're drinking. something different. Singing about drinking every day and waking up and yeah. feeling like a piece of shit. It's I feel like, like that song is, so uh, is when I think of that song, um, I think of vice. I think it represents human vice. I think it represents. It's supposed to sound dirty. You know, you look at, you listen to the, look at the song named Bliss Joined to the Bane, which is, you know, the feeling of bliss joined to something that's a bane to your fucking existence, like drugs or alcohol or whatever the fuck. Something that's not good for specifically you. about alcohol. Um, I don't do any illegal drugs. Yeah, you do with me. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we do. We definitely don't do drugs. We we have done illegal drugs and we're keeping record yeah, of that. We're cool. Here. Yeah, we're cool. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's I always think it's I, I, when Alex showed Alex wrote that whole song joined to the bane and he showed it to me after we had gone to a place and talked about lyrical ideas um and i thought it was a cool one and when he showed me the lyrics i was like yeah these are fucking incredible and i like them because i think it's kind of like a satirical tongue-in-cheek take on human vice yeah when i think about it and i don't Snarky think a lot of, in a way yeah, yeah there's like a, there's a little bit of, there's definitely humor in the song um yeah. self-deprecation cool too, yeah. uh which is a very common thing i feel uh in metal, big time, especially with a lot of metal musicians who hate themselves after they play a sick show and and think they fucked yeah. up every dude ever dude. notes or yes. whatever. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just kind of like different. And I think it was the aim was to you know, it was to be a little different. Just trying to do something different. Yeah, I mean, like I have um, so I do like yeah. my own solo music uh, under a moniker, the False Reality. And like mm. when I do lyrics with that, it's not like it's not metal stuff. It's like kind of, you know, rocky kind of shit. Mm -hmm. And um, I um rock and roll lyrics. Yes, yes rock, rock and roll, roll lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, mm. that kind of shit. But uh, not not really. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I write kind of like 
sarcastic kind of lyrics like stream of conscience just like kind of funny kind of stupid just like whatever i want to say i'm just going to say it and like when it came down to write this record and we were writing the lyrics like everyone was like dude we should like kind of do some shit like that and i was like that would be kind of weird but i'm down like because i don't really know how to write lyrics any other way i'm not like uh, every time i've ever tried to write lyrics before i've always tried to do some sort of like you know political or historical or fantasy angle that i didn't really like ever feel comfortable with and now it's like that i can do it it's like oh like that is sick to have that freedom to be like well i want to just like stream of conscience these lyrics and just like kind of go for it not think too hard about it maybe write like write one draft and then just revise it and then that's it it's just like just stream of conscience what what's what's the good rhythm for this and then just like do it you know i think that's the best way to do it just like not try to think about it too much just like what do you want to say if you're going to say it just say it don't be don't pussyfoot around it just say what you want to say just do it dog. just fucking do it. Do it. You know just fucking do it just what the fuck are you talking about i'll make you a just fucking that. pizza if fucking do it i'll make you a fucking song you're gonna know what i'm fucking talking about <laughs> i'm a straight shooter i agree with that and i disagree with it in a way where i disagree yeah he like, writes jason writes lyrics a lot all, differently than all different kinds of ways you could do it i think but i tried to just run the gamut but anyway, we're not trying to take this over. So <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's good that you said that because like yeah. our next question was going to be about like um, how you write lyrics for songs that are typically a lot longer than those that we've seen on this podcast so far. So I think like most of your songs are probably the longest that we've seen, other than some of those written by Thronehammer. Um, with the shortest song on your album, I think is like over six minutes long. So are there challenges that come from writing lyrics for songs that are that long? Is that on Sundial? What's well, that would that would have been vo- that would have been probably our voice. first record voice, mm-hmm. yeah. Because uh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was all our old vocalist, yeah, Adrian, Adrian, that wrote those. Wrote, uh, Adrian wrote a lot of the lyrics to our first record, Voice, which is a concept record, um, and that was a record that Adrian and I had initially talked a lot about the concept and formulated it out of our EP, Essence of the Land, where it sort of connects. Um, we wanted to kind of keep the same embodiment of that, but come up with a concept. Uh, and those, the way that album was written, especially the longer songs, like there's songs that are 12 minutes long, mm, uh, songs yeah. that are eight minutes long, something like that. The lyrics came sort of, the lyrics on that record, I would say, were directly to serve the concept. They were written to right. serve the music. They were written to serve the musical motifs of the concept and the story. Um, so there's a lot of songs. I mean, there's, there's, the lyrics are definitely more sparse on that record, I feel because it's a lot more, and the vocal style is a lot more atmospheric, big, echoey, um, big emphasis on long, drawn-out words. Um, and Adrian had a, had kind of a minimalistic approach when writing a lot of lyrics, which I liked because it was very succinct and it got the message across and it got what the feeling was across for that record. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I mean, we just, once Adrian had left the band, a conscious effort, that I at least I wanted to try on this record was just to, you know, I think the whole idea was like nothing's off limits. Let's try a bunch of different things out. Um, so there were songs where I would write lyrics before, you know, before putting them to any music. I would have a full song of lyrics. There were songs where I wrote the lyrics specifically to the music um, mm. and wrote all the patterns myself. Uh, and there's so many crazy stories behind like every single song on this record uh 
lyrically speaking that I think, I don't know. I mean, we could talk about them. We're planning on doing yeah, it. Yeah. We're going to go in depth and talk about every single song on the record at some point and, and release it under, our, you know, through the band mm. and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it was, it was sort of like, I think when it comes to writing a six and like this on this album, what's the longest song that's six minutes? Is it, is it's it the like, last uh, song? It's or is it the first hard or it's, yeah. Painted Heart's the longest song. It's like seven minutes, I think. Right. And that's with like and a long outro. breaks in right. that song. So there, that eats up some time. But like the six minute, like No Land Man, the first song on our record, uh, I wrote all the lyrics for that based on like. Yeah, that was rhythmically. An idea yes. and a rhythm that I had. I woke up at, I was baked out of my fucking mind. <laughs> I was in bed with my girlfriend at like three in the morning. And uh, I had, me and Alex had been going back. It was like the last kind of lyrical piece to the puzzle we needed for the record and Alex and I kept going back and forth and I don't know nothing was really like sticking to it nothing was really like it's like a first song on a record yeah. it's got to be a powerful song it's got to be an you know there has to be an emphasis yeah, on we, it and we had the title no yeah the title band. was cool yeah we had that title before we had the lyrics so we were trying to write to the title and it was it was <laughs> it was really hard at first until I started coming up with these themes and all of a sudden it just started clicking and I was I can't I was uh I had I had actually come over here where we're at now, our guitar player, Max's place, Alex's brother, to do pre-production drums on that track. And mm -hmm. I got back. Uh and so the song was like really in my head. Like the rhythms were in my head. I had fully digested the track. So then I started writing lyrics to the rhythm and I was like, Oh, what? I could do this. Like and lyrically, I think it's I think it's like some of the best shit that i did on the record uh because it follows it got everything i wanted to across it touched on everything i wanted to and it's like a fucking it's a super wordy fucking song there's so many lyrics in that song and we got fucking uh jordan from disentomb an australian oh nice yeah. vocals on that track and uh it's it was i don't know i love that song but yeah. it was really fun because i i looked at that song from Cause it's funny you bring up that it's like a six minute, you know, song. And I remember thinking like, how the fuck are we going to write lyrics? What the fuck are the lyrics going to be? What the fuck are we going to come up with right. like that six minutes shit. worth of lyrics? And then when I was, when I got going on that song, it was basically like, I had to cut out shit. It was sort of like, I had so many ideas for it and so many different lines that I loved that I was just sort of like, fuck, this is like, it was like this endless fucking just like stream that kind of funneled its way into like, okay, I'm picking the best of what makes the most sense to kind of serve the song rather than trying to just kind of shove it in there just to prove the point, rather. Mm. Um, so it's sort of like... That's a hard process, It's sort of too. kind of what yeah. we were saying were like the difference between the first record and this record where it's like writing lyrics to fit a story and for that to be the main point you want to get across where it's like this is what needs to be said we need to we need to manipulate everything to find a way to make that be the point as opposed to us kind of taking a song and now being like fuck that we want to make this song a fucking banger how do we make the lyrics serve that how do we make mm. the lyrics serve the song to be like oh this is a fucking line someone's gonna remember this is something a, a catchy thing somebody might remember you know sort of trying to serve the song a little bit more yeah like every to song, make it more musical every know? song kind of has like a on the new record every song kind of has like a punchline in it in a way where you like there's like there's like a line in every song that we have on the new record that like kind of sums up what the song's about you know like, in a way yeah there's there's like a 
I don't know. Punchline is probably not the right. Alex word. has a sheet of all those lines. Yeah, right. Where are they? Yeah. I don't know what they would be. Yeah, it's the fucking Alex dossier, dude. Yeah, <laughs> my dossier, bro. Yeah, I think I think in this like, but it was definitely yeah. I agree with that. It was more like that where it was like the the lyrics were definitely um more of a um not a forefront, but like uh they were definitely more more thought of. I feel yeah. in a way like instead of like you know yeah trying to serve a story, it was more just like every song is treated in a like a it like. Every song is different. It yeah. Was, yeah, every song it's it's sort of a different piece when you're writing non-conceptually, which I think was sort of exciting because yeah, it gave us it grounds to try just a bunch of different ideas. Because mm-hmm. I think like, oh man, I've I've been I expect this to come up a lot whenever we're going to be talking about the new stuff, and it's something I've been trying to like figure out how to word. But I feel like with metal something that hasn't kind of been explored as much is the idea of how much can you do as a band? How far can you take a metal band? What can a metal, what can a metal band do staying grounded as a metal band, but how far can you really take that idea? You know, what can we try to be like, we're still a band, but we're taking this in a completely different context as opposed to where a lot of, I feel like lyrics come in metal, you know, maybe they're secondary. Maybe it's like a concept, maybe, you know, they're, instead of like serving something bigger than your band what if you try to write lyrics that like accentuate your band what if you try to write lyrics that live in the now and sort of like embody who you are as people a little bit more than necessarily trying to serve something bigger and there's like there's still a little bit of that on our record i mean there's songs that i had written that are definitely inspired by certain films i like uh there's a song that takes heavy inspiration from the sopranos um all kinds of shit uh but you know it's it's not it's not just about that specifically it's not like tony soprano came into the fucking room with the gun <laughs> shot him. it's like you know it's not like i'm feeding it to you it's just you know loose inspiration that kind of like funnels its way into your music mm-hmm. um as opposed to just being like i need to write this about fucking something that somebody else made it's like I think it's more fun to kind of take that and fuel it for inspiration for your own ideas. It's like, yo, you're getting us, which is us, as opposed to you're getting us, which is us telling you about something else. You know, it's like we're not we're never going to be a band that's going to write a song about Cthulhu because it's like, what? First off, there's about a billion other bands that will do that way better than us. And there's also a billion bands that have just and I'm not knocking it and I'm not trying to, you know, say that I think that that's like something you shouldn't do but it's just something to me where i'm just like fuck how many times how many times are i as an artist i have no desire to try and touch something that has already been so you know rehashed by so many different artists at this point i think it's kind of fun to take um sort of things that are not your stereotypical metal subjects and try and repurpose them in a metal way or you know vice versa try to take a lyrical subject that's not metal at all and like find a way to fit it in a metal song it's so exciting to me it's really exciting like you know like you take a song uh like uh the last single we just released sheridan road which i literally wrote all of those lyrics not even not to the song um handed the lyrics to alex to where the song was written in a way where it's where it is a genuine stream of consciousness and you could kind of take the lyrics and readjust them wherever you would want. It doesn't have to be this one linear journey of a song. Um, and it's so exciting to just be like, fuck, like, 
you know, never just discovering all of these new ways to really come up with cool, different music for us has has really been a, a cherishing reward. <laughs> but, well, uh, one, my favorite part of the process. So. And I would love to write a I would love to write a metal song like an R and B style song about like <laughs> fucking. I think that would be we so will sick. one day. <laughs> we're gonna do it. I want to find a way to do that so bad. We're, I think we're that's like it here, but we're actually gonna right. Do that's it. such a fucking yeah. like that's uncharted territory. I agree. It is yeah. uncharted territory. You know? <laughs> nobody does that unless it's about like a corpse fucking. Yeah, it's like why don't you know, write a song uh, about making love? You know what yeah, I mean? That'd be so yeah, sick. Dude, we'll do it. Yeah. We're gonna do it. Well, speaking of things that people haven't done, one thing that we noticed uh, that was kind of interesting in looking at the lyrics of the first album um, right. is that like the album is the lyrics are written like a novel, uh, not in the way that there's a story like there's there are albums out there that tell stories, but you actually they're full sentences with like subjects like the lyrics um, all at once the lights carried from a distance shot to me flowing through me flashing before me violent convulsing bright i was haggard but unworn i was youthful but bitter i was ignorant i was worldly i was shown into a lifetime's experiences the flashes pulsed away left me sitting on the damp forest floor gold light poured through the trees above and danced across tufts of mist and thriving and so on and so on like every single sentence had a clear grammatical subject uh, they're all full yeah. sentences um and they kind of you know again read like you could put it in a book uh the new album also right. has a very you know poetic storytelling feel but with lines like, I'm like the steaming pot at the crack of dawn, temperate 100 degrees, the blood starts to clot, boiling inside, caught in the chain. Today, I think I'll take a brick and throw it on the highway. Hell There's obviously yeah. re relation there and a sequence of events, but it's not like the complete sentences thing before. Um, was right. there, do you know with the first album, was there a conscious desire to write it like a book? And I guess on the second album, uh, was there a desire to kind of move away from that style into something that is still obviously storytelling and, and poetic, but without the kind of like... Um, you know, you could read this and follow the narrator kind of fully sort of style. Yeah. I mean, the song you just you had quoted, uh, We've Been Here Before from the first record, lyrically, that was all written by Adrian. Mm -hmm. um, and when when it came to coming up with the lyrical style for that record, it was never said that we intentionally wanted to write it like a book, per se. Like that wasn't the direct reference rather than more of sort of like an atmospheric angle. So it's like the lyrics are sort of more of a description of where you are, what's what you're seeing, you know, really like it's sort of more immersion rather than like this motherfucker came up to me and told me I was a vampire or whatever the fuck. I'm just <laughs> off the top of my head right now. You know what I mean? Rather than that's yeah, the first freestyle we've got on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. The music. Oh, yeah. oh, I'll give you, I'll get you better ones uh, by the end of this. Um, but I think the way the music was presented in that record contextually and conceptually contextually and conceptually is very atmospheric and the lyrical direction was definitely intended to kind of reflect that more. So that might, might be why it's more like reading a book because you're really getting immersed in, immersed in what's around you. And uh, we've been here before. Specifically, that song is a very atmospheric song lyrically as much as it is kind of like the igniter of the record, of that record. But when, the first when it came to uh, shifting on the... Well, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say, the first record didn't have any focus really on rhyming and shit. Like, no. Mm -hmm. it was we, like, we definitely, like, more did more of a concerted effort to, like, try to do that on this record. Right. Like, make it more, like, vocals in the forefront, like, sing-songy type right. of Like we had said before, lyrics. the, yes. the Instead lyrics of were written to yes. fit the concept as opposed to to try and serve the point of being 
lyrics rather if that makes sense like obviously they serve the point of being lyrics that doesn't make sense but they were sort of written more in a sense to serve the purpose rather than to be something else that's highlighted in the song just as much as like a sick riff or a sick drum fill or whatever you want to hear in a metal track it's like why can't the lyrics be just as fucking hard you know like why can't the lyrics be just as fucking like you know now it's sort of written i like it in a way well i mean there is definitely there's there's a huge contrast between the lyrical direction i would say between the first record and the second record and being that we didn't want to write we didn't want to write music necessarily to lyrics to fit a concept rather than to be like hey let's push those boundaries as far as Warforged goes and see what we can do as a band. You know, it's sort of like, what, what can we do as a band lyrically? What are some different ideas rather than writing about sitting on your ass in a forest? Not that I'm saying, <laughs> not that I'm knocking it. It's our own fucking lyrics. And I love that album. But um, I, I think the big inspiration came from a lot of other, I, for me, it's just sort of like, I love those types of bands that, they really push the boundaries of what it is to be a band like the 1975 or Radiohead or Brockhampton mm. or, uh, you know, these these bands that kind of take more of an approach of like, you know, you listen to a Radiohead album, you know, you're going to get some Radiohead, but you don't know what the fuck exactly you're going to get from them. Sometimes you listen to a song and it's like, what am I? Am I still listening to the same band? But you are. And it's so sick that you get to see this other side of them. And I mean, you know, we're at the end of the day, every person that makes music is a person and every person has more than one side to them. And I think, uh, you know, a big uh, focus of the lyrics on this record was just to not be so one sided and try and take some more, just try and ex- roll the dice more. You know, it's sort of like, what can we write about? How can we do it differently? What are some different ideas we can try? It's just like, fuck it. Like, you know, you're going to get Warforged, but you're not just going to get what you expect out of us you're going to get you know a little bit of everything i would say or a little bit of twists and turns from what you might be expecting but i don't know you know it's kind of like you have to take a second and be like yeah we're just a band that has one album out and an ep and another (laughs) album that's about to come out it's like you know we live in the world probably more than anybody else at least as far as like overanalyzation so to us we're like this is such a giant change. And then, right. you know, I think sometimes we can even get lost in that and being like, people really even give that much of a fuck or are people just down? <laughs> so I don't know, but everybody's different. Obviously everybody listens to music differently and yeah, <laughs> has different expectations maybe, or maybe none at all. I mean, I speaking of like pretty massive changes, one of the other very obvious differences between the lyrics of the two albums is the use of swearing. Um, so oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. across both albums, you do use the words like fuck, fucker or motherfucker um, eight times shit, seven times and damn, if we consider that a swear word, twice. Um, so all but one of these, um, a use of shit in the line, shit out again, pass through the swamps, billowing gut are on the new album. So, yeah, was this shift towards the use of swear words intentional? Was it part of this kind of um, effort to adopt a different approach in this new release? We never went to, we never like no. set out to fucking yeah. swear more, but I think we just both like I think to it's swear. Just, yeah, yeah. I think it's just, <laughs> I think it's just the, came out with yeah. what it is like. Because it feels good. You guys have <laughs> quoted the first song from the No Land Man. Um, mm-hmm. No Land Man is like, uh, 
like thematically it's a whole bunch of ideas that I kind of had floating around fused together and it sort of just tells the story about this deranged ass dude it's a death metal song it's a song about a dude that finds uh relief and peace and causing horrible things to happen so it's like you know it's about base and 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 really like the essence lyrically of what I wanted to get across in that song is just like when you feel like you're at your breaking point when you feel like you're at that point in your life where you don't have another inch to give and it's just sort of like you know you feel the weight of a lot of shit coming on top of you and I think that that's something that a lot of people can relate to as a feeling of sort of being at that edge being at that boiling point and you know I don't know I think in a way I I hope that song kind of comes across of like you know maybe people listening to it and being like oh fuck like I'm not insane for feeling like this. Motherfuckers feel like this all the time. Even though that song is about a dude that like does a bunch of crazy ass shit. But, um, you know, it, it came from the ideas of there was some influence. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, but it's a, a band favorite falling down with Michael yeah. Douglas. Mm-hmm. Uh, big influence on, you know, a dude snapping and, Snap. you know, taking over a fast food restaurant with a gun or just, you know, blowing up a construction site with thick rimmed glasses on uh another influence was like the scene have you guys ever seen the david lynch movie lost highway before i've um, not no no well there, there's a fucking crazy ass scene with robert blake who's a crazy motherfucker in real life like <laughs> dude isn't he killed his wife i think or he was like yeah he got charged with it at least i don't know if yeah, he did it but he definitely yeah. motherfucker definitely you watch this movie watch this movie and watch what he <laughs> does and you'll be face. like yeah you fucking did it okay uh, <laughs> But uh, there's there's a, just a really weird David Lynch esque scene in that movie where he goes up to the the lead character who's played by Bill Bill Putnam, right? Bill Putnam. No, Bill. Uh, Bill Pullman. There we go. Yeah. Uh, Bill Putnam, Putnam from, from Anal Cunt. Yeah, yeah. Seth Putnam. Seth Putnam. Yeah. Sorry. The guy from yeah, the Grind Game. Uh, but yeah, he goes up to him and he hands him a phone, and the guy's like, "I'm inside your house." But there's a lyric about being inside someone's house and waiting to beat the fuck out of them, uh, <laughs> which is a you know. A thing that happens to people sometimes you don't hear a lot about it in metal but it's like a rational fear that could happen to you if you owe somebody some money or if, not that either of us have ever been there but like you know i don't know kind of influence of like that's something shitty and evil and dark in this world but it's like you don't really hear about it as much in songs you you hear more about like the mystical evils and this is like it's sort of like the evil of like getting up in the fucking morning, you know, it's like domesticated evil in a way where it's like (laughs) the swear words, like bring it into the domesticated realm in a way that Uh, like maybe maybe in a way where it's sort of like the, I think the swear words came out because it's more of like a raw emotion where it's sort of like swear words are there to convey like whatever it's there. It's there to convey the feeling that we're trying to portray. I would say, um, it's just fun to it's fun to swear to yeah. it, it feels good it, when it you're doing aggressive when you're doing aggressive shit like i remember periphery periphery two remember when that album came out and like the most much, heavy record right? of all time well it's not that it's just spencer uh spencer i don't really care for his lyrics that much i don't really like pay attention to him really but like i remember like periphery one which is a big deal for me uh had like not really a lot of swearing on it. Then yeah. periphery two came out he would say fuck motherfucker yeah, all this crazy, like, you know, all these swears and shit. And I was like, ooh, that's like kind of weird. And it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, why is it like, I don't know, adults swear. You you hang around people, you swear, like you just say fuck and shit and like dick and 
damn and like i don't know what the big deal is it's like you, like if, if you're playing aggressive music you should be saying fuck and shit i like I, it just feels natural to like just to swear i don't know it just feels good it feels like it feels <laughs> right it feels right to put swears in like aggressive music so what about a song like self-destruct seminar where you close with the line go find contentment see what happens fuck like what yeah. what's the oh. <laughs> what's the goal of the final what's the goal with like ending a song on just the word that fuck, fuck yeah. that fuck was written in studio was yeah that was an in-studio okay. fuck we just wanted um, it because it's it's just, heavy. it's just hard and yeah. like that line that line in general that whole song is about um just like uh like just people Another that are uh, alex song alex yeah this, wrote this, that this is one. my lyric yeah this is my lyrics um it's like a it's a it's a critique on like a you know Instagram or Facebook self help type shit where like people talk about like self love or like self help or just like uh trying to better yourself yeah. but like it, it's like interesting to think like if you start in a place where like I don't know like if you start in a place where you're like I want to be a better person but you're like a shithead like aren't <laughs> all your aren't all your like intentions to become a better person just like self serving. And it's kind of like that way where it's like you're trapped in this like place where you can't like any any move you make because you're so far gone into like just being like selfish and shitty. Any attempt you make to like break out of that is going to be like an attempt to become like more of a manipulative, like shitty person. So it's like when I say go find contentment, see what happens. It's like, yeah, go go find it. Like it's not going to you're already gone dude like you're not gonna find any shit there and it's like i, I don't know that's that's kind of what that song's about it's just like it, you you don't the destructive side of self-help yeah it's like it's very like much a, there it's a, like so sometimes. much of that not all of it but sometimes yeah some but so much of it i feel like on instagram it's like it's like since instagram and like facebook is like based on kind of narcissism in a way it's like it's not like gonna lead you into any place that's weird. good i remember like you know it's like an experience of uh, i don't know i i'm not won't reference who the person is not that it even matters or anybody would know but like you know it's like you're on instagram and you see somebody that has a picture in a flaming hula hoop with like you know gavenchi thirty thousand dollar sunglasses on and you look at them and, and they're an influencer and you're just and i'm not it's not like fuck the kardashians fuck that it's not that yeah. type of approach it's no, just sort of no. just like yeah, motherfucker, they're having a good time because they're in $30,000 sunglasses and they have a fucking flaming hula hoop around them. Like, of course, they're having a good life. They're not showing you like uh, the times that they've fucked up explicitly on the Internet. They're not showing you the times that they've gotten DUIs. You know what I mean? It's like you're not mm. going to see like the negative side of their lives on a platform where they have full control over it. It's just like, you know, it's funny in a way where it's sort of like, yeah, you know, uh, what the fuck you're going to put, you know, unless yeah. you're like, go find contentment, see what happens. Yeah. I mean, it's just sort of like, if you're looking at it that way, if you're always searching, well, if you're always searching yeah, for it, you're not going to, if you're always searching for like some kind of like happiness or contentment or like a way to be like, oh, now I'm the perfect person. Now I'm finally complete. It's like, you're not going to get there. You'll see what happens. Like you're going to. To take on it's a it's that's a take my, on the uh, it's an Alex look, Damsky that's a, that's analogy a, of the human psyche. Dr look, drunkenness. Drunkenness is a very underrated um drug to uh to be like you know people people get high or they like they they smoke weed or they 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 people as in me and Alex <laughs> smoke weed. <laughs> yeah, people smoke weed or people uh take mushrooms like to expand their consciousness. The alcohol is a maybe not consciousness expanding, but 
the the take that you can get from shit on alcohol is uh, definitely underrated. Wacky. No, it's 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 underrated as far as like being being drunk. So we're basically telling being drunk is a wisdom. Yeah, being drunk is a there's a wisdom in it though. Yeah, there's a wisdom in it, and that's what that song that's that's drunk drunken wisdom. Yeah, that's drunken wisdom. The only wisdom I've ever seen from a drunk man is the movie The Drunken Master with fucking. Yeah, and he was wise What's as hell, bro. He was kicking ass. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> so, like this this idea of takes, right? That that the, a lot of these songs are kind of takes. Be they be they drunken or or sober or whatever. Um, that one specifically. I feel like that one specifically Alex being drunken. Alex um, songs are a lot of takes. Okay. I feel like your songs are a lot of takes. Just well, that one. Really. Alex is a very social. You think so? Yeah, I, mean, I don't I think, think I don't think Bliss is a take. I don't think Burning Days is a take. Mm. Yeah, I guess Burning Days isn't really a Burning Days is just about being uh yeah fucking trying to take control sort of your shit. Yeah. Yeah, self well, right. maybe say is definitely that's the that's the hardest take on the record. A hundred percent. Maybe a take is <laughs> the right term for everything, but we did notice that like, well, yeah, like you, you, you mentioned that? earlier that some of these songs are very personal. You know, you said that some of them arise from kind of the opinions you have. Uh, and we noticed that, like across both your albums, actually, despite different authors, uh, you use a lot of first-person perspective. Uh, the new album, in fact, uses the word "I" over fifty times. Um, so, what kind of brought you into? Is it because they are these kind of you wanted to make this record personal that this kind of happened, or was there something conscious? Like, what what do you think brings you both to use "I" so often? And um, while on that, is "I" you? Wait, is this the first record or the second record? Uh, both. Both, but f- there's oh, 50 man. on the second album. There's 50 eyes. Oh hell yeah! Well, the, over I mean, 50. I sorry, I, I think I think writing narratively is like easier than any. I I I, I that's mainly the reason I think. I don't know if it was yeah. like conscious, but it's just the way I like. I would write. Like, I don't know what you would think, but like I think just like writing narratively is a lot easier. You're singing a song to somebody. It's like I feel like to a certain degree sometimes metal conceptual, and I'm not trying to say that it's the only way to do it, but sometimes I read metal lyrics and it's like. It's so literal that I'm just like, what the fuck is like, I don't want to be, I'm not trying to read a book. I want to hear like a song. I don't want to be like, you know, the dragon picked up this motherfucker and dropped him off at school. You know, bad example. I'm being humorous, but like sometimes I'll read a concept record and it's literally like the man walked in the room, man, he ate a fucking uh, dish and then he did this. And it's like, I don't, I don't know. We're I like, I feel like, when it comes from the narrative perspective and the first person perspective in certain instances, especially on the new record, it kind of gives the listener a little bit more ambiguity to kind of, it, it makes the lyrics more digestible in a personal sense. I feel like because you're able to analyze the songs in a way where it's like, all right, this is coming from somebody's perspective and it gives you more of, I think it kind of gives it more of a more open-endedness to kind of like be, to kind of open up the door and, and and have something more up for interpretation rather than a direct idea that you might need to take out of the song. Right? Like like us providing, like, you need to get this out of the song. Like, when Alex and I write lyrics, sure, we definitely have intentions of what we're trying to write about uh, or what we're trying to say. But I think that at the end of the day, you know, I used to, like, back, I remember there was a part of me you know, years ago where I would always, I always love digging in the lyrics, finding out what songs are about, finding out what concept records are about anything. And uh, 
I always used to hate when artists would just be like, oh, it's up to your interpretation. I'm like, that's fucking lazy ass shit. But now I look at it and I'm like, no, it's not. That's like awesome because I get it. I, I get what it's like to want to say something and want to put it out on paper. You know, you're going to, everybody can interpret that in so many different ways. And um, I think not having something so direct and more digestible in, in more of a sense where it's subjective I think just makes it more interesting and it, it might make it a little bit more different pers- perceptively because th- that first record has so many eyes because the story is told from first person perspective about, and it's, it's pretty much about a main character. Um, and this, this album, there's songs about characters. No land man is about a character. Um, Place that breaks your bones is about a character. Another song I wrote, which was, it's basically it's about a character. It's told from a first person perspective um, about and, and it's pretty much just about unrequited love. It's about love you or like, you know, love you can't have in a way. It was written while I was watching The Sopranos during the pandemic, which is my favorite show of all time. It's probably on like the fifth watch through. There's a um, uh, an arc in one of the seasons where. Tony, the main character, is cheating on his wife with this girl that he falls in love with, who's a car saleswoman, and he, like, falls head over heels from her. He meets her in his therapist's office. It turns out she's, like, massively suicidal. They're very unhealthy for each other. It's just this whole crazy thing. I'm not gonna, I won't give it all away here, but uh, the the idea, when I kind of took out, you know, I, I did, like, the song is not about Tony Soprano or this person. It just kind of, I got the theme from it from watching that of, like, here's a, a, a character who is married and has the domesticated family, the love that you would ex- expect from your average Amer- American, any family, you know? You got your wife, you have your kids, they live in a rich-ass fucking house in Jersey and have anything they want, and here he is pining after another woman. That ultimately, you know, when you're in a monogamous marriage, you can't just go out and fuck anybody you want or be in another relationship with a person. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily work out that way. And it's it's interesting to me because I think it's a theme that you see a lot in you know, whether it's any um, in a, a TV show or a movie. And it's kind of like managing those feelings of just like, you know, what can love really be? What can it really expand to like can you find your soulmate and still find yearning for somebody else i think it's a feeling that certain people could relate to um and i think it's something that's really just not discussed a lot in metal um Mm. maybe it is and i just don't know but at least in the kind that we play i don't see a lot and uh it really just kind of inspired me to make this whole song about it because it's sort of like this uh the song is written sort of in this perspective of like a dance between these two characters because Tony in the show has this dream sequence about dancing with this woman because she ends up killing herself because Tony and her have this big blowout after they realize they can't be in a committed relationship because he's fucking married and uh, great show. Have you guys ever seen the fucking Sopranos? The fucking Sopranos over here. Hey, them fucking Sopranos. I recommend that you guys check it out. If All, right. All right. Okay, cool. I mean, great do you, do you tell these stories to the singer of your band before you pass the lyrics off? Uh, if he, yeah, I mean, he uh, we, told does he know? Does he know that the song is about the Sopranos? Yeah, I think he knows it's influenced by it. Okay. Yeah, we've definitely talked about him. I think when Tim initially came out, because uh, we started writing a lot of these songs for the band for the second album before Tim was even in the band, mm-hmm. uh, and we had kind of, you know, we kind of wanted to be prepared for 
whatever our next move was musically like we wanted to have songs ready to go so we were like fuck it we're doing it we're doing it live like bill o'reilly does in the yeah. freak out YouTube doing it live. fuck it but, you know me and alex were like let's get what we want out of this and let's fucking give it a shot and that's how the okay. lyrics came to be about and yeah tim tim is definitely like Tim loves the lyrics from what we've been told. <laughs> what I've been told is that Tim is a big fan and he did seem pretty genuinely into them when we were tracking them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're planning on, you know, trying to have Tim uh, acclimate a little bit more lyrically to our band as well. Cause he is, we haven't written lyrics with Tim yet. So mm-hmm. that's a plan that we're actually that's working like on. Next now, release so. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't know. I think the narrative thing is definitely, I, I think there's only like, I mean, House of Resentment is probably the only song that isn't narrative. Track seven. Yeah, that song isn't narrative. Every yeah. other song, I think, uses the word I. I, I yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's like a, that, that is a weird, that's cool the way you do your analysis of that. Yeah, it's interesting. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about that myself. You know, it's like, yeah, I guess that is the way we are doing it. Right. It's just sometimes the lyrics come yeah. out so fast, you don't really have time to think what you're like, well, that fits and that's really cool. And I want to say it. Let's do it. Sometimes it's, I mean, you're, everybody is like, I always think in a way where it's sort of like, you know, you're going to write lyrics and obviously if it's the same person writing lyrics or the same team of people, you're going to eventually get some type of maybe some type of recognizable pattern. And Mm. we've been trying so hard to kind of take these like different roads with it. And it's so sick to see. It's like, Oh yeah, I guess I never thought of it. Like a lot of it is really told from that perspective, but you know, I think it's because uh, at the end of the day, it's, 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 trying to be a little bit more human of a record and i think it's trying to just be a little bit more relatable and i think i hope that when people listen to those songs maybe the fact that it's more narrative or you know based on that perspective that it can be something that's a little bit more up for a personal interpretation rather than just digesting it and being like this is what it has to fucking be right yeah this is what they said it is it's like motherfucker you can listen to my song and think it's about dogs you know or whatever you want it to be cats amps amplifiers yeah yeah we definitely didn't want to like do like a a fantasy style record like the first record is very kind of like this fantasy based on a story right yeah we definitely wanted it to be more of a a thing that was like uh you know just like just like regular like try shit songs yeah just like just like just normal like pop songs not pop but like rock or just Mm. just any other any other like i don't know so many people do concept records in metal now and it's just like we we kind of didn't want to pressure ourselves to do that to right. follow up our our first record. You know, it was like a big, it was there was a lot of things with that where it was like a big pressure to be like, well, should we? Because it was it was supposed to be like a an album, like a all right, a we don't need to get all into the fucking yeah. But you know, it was like we 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 kind of had a pressure to kind of continue a story and like we just we're kind of like rejected it. Like no, let's just do. It what came we from feel a place like of like everybody expecting us to kind of continue in this conceptual nature, which right. was really heavy with the band before. And mm. I think at the end of the day, Adrian was such a heavy part in that, that if we really tried to follow that up and force that, it wouldn't yeah. be, it, it wouldn't feel right to us right. as musicians. You know, it's sort of like, I don't want to, it's not like a reinvention. It's just trying something different. You know, right. it's not to say we won't ever, and who fucking knows, maybe in seven years, we write another concept record. Maybe in a month we write, you know, who knows? <laughs> it's It's not like I'm, you know, we're trying to say like let's not ever do that again it's sort of just like we tried we did something for so long in this band we know we can do it we've done it that it's sort of like we now have an opportunity to kind of go in a direction that's sort of something that fits 
the happiness of all of us. And like I said, it's that drive of like, what can we do as a band? Like, how far can we take this as a band? Not just like Warforged and a bunch of motherfuckers we get to fill in. It's like, no, it's like, what can like we do as us, as people, as like something to identify ourselves with a current a current interpretation of the band rather than like you know trying to base it off yeah just we're just trying to give i think the intention is to try and give something somebody something different than what you might get based on a band that sounds like us normally i don't know or something (laughs) something that's a little bit different for you that's all the the real intention is i think at the end of the day warforged ain't gonna be writing about no martians that's for sure it's funny because in the past (laughs) when we did all this conceptual shit there's a lot of people that were like what they do all this and now it's like we release these two songs and then there's people that are like why aren't they doing this and it's like the uh the classic machiavellian i don't know what that word means but the classic machiavellian struggle of motherfuckers being being mad that uh we changed our shit and didn't you know it's like it's it's the story of every metal band it's the story of in flames when they started singing on uh, reroute to remain and soundtrack to your escape. It's your story of uh, Metallica after the Black Album. It's your story of, you know, it's like fans want one thing, you don't give it to them. They're like, "What? This didn't meet my expectations." You know, like yeah. some mm. we didn't like when we dropped that first uh, list joint of the bane. Not by everybody, but there was definitely a couple cases of crucifixion. You know, of them being like, what has this band become? Yeah, Reddit They're singing about being fat pieces of shit instead yeah, of I'm a fat fucking dark and I'm atmospheric 30 years old, shit. You know, and it's like yeah. there's there's all <laughs> kinds of parts of life. You know what I mean? There's all kinds of aspects to life. There's room for the artsy atmospheric stuff. There's room for some tongue in cheek stuff. And we just want to try our shot at everything we can that's natural to us and that feels like cool everybody else does that i don't know why metal is like taking i mean like yeah have you guys heard that band loathe no yeah they they had a metalcore band yeah yeah they they just do whatever they want like they sort of but then maybe not lyrically but musically they definitely like fucking like they they just bring it in all sorts it's like we kind of just want I, I don't know why like metal has to be like this thing where it's like every song is like the same goddamn thing on every song it's like I want to, there's a dog barking. Um, I want to like just like you know like give everyone a taste of like what all the shit that we want to like hmm. do in a record. You know, I I don't know. I I I don't want to be pigeonholed. I don't think any of us want to like p- be pigeonholed into a certain like uh to a certain like corner. You know, yeah. I, I don't it's like, like that when, shit. When people like earlier in the interview, it's like people ask us the genre question now, and it's just like. I don't even know how to touch it at this point. It's like we're you like heavy, heavy music, yeah. yeah. You like extreme music, <laughs> you know, you'll like, just listen. You like death metal yeah. bands, you like the technical kind of shit, you like I don't know, yeah, you know, it's, it's like all this it's you like, like the stuff with the cleaner production, you like us. You know, you want something like it's got the old school death metal stuff, it's not us. But yeah. Well <laughs> you can kind of see that because although there is some consistency in your use of the first person perspective across the two releases. We can see differences in other pronominal choices, like for instance, um, that both albums do use like the pronoun you a bit, uh, with six instances we think on the first album. But there's like 38 on the new album. So when you write lines like uh, you know now you recite to yourself words from the mouth of some dead fuck, come home when you're dead, or do you think that uh, this is all worth it? That obviously shows kind of a different um, perspective being adopted, right? So with with that in mind, like did you have a particular kind of effect that you were trying to generate with this or like a specific person or group of people that you were targeting with this use of you? 
it's you know it's funny that you say that because yes, I would say yes and no. In certain instances, there's definitely like like at the end of Sheridan Road, one of the lyrics is, "Are we really one and the same?" And that part of the song is sort of about it's it's sort of about thinking about your place in the universe. Where are you in the universe? Who are you? What what are you compared to everything else that's out there in this big mass of existence? And uh, I think it's I I kind of liked it. It's written in a sense where it's like you're sitting in a car next to your you know whoever your best friend saying like Are we really the same as this shit? Are we really the same as like that? Are we you know it's like written in that context, but it's also kind of got this double meaning of like oh you know I I kind of wanted to be maybe one of those lyrics some people will think about and kind of have more op- open to interpretation because it does make you think when you're not having a direct subject matter as far as the you or the I, I think it kind of leaves that more open as opposed to a, a song like No Land Man, which is much more of a storytelling song of like, you know, that it's, I feel like No Land Man is, it has that like first album vibe in a sense where it's, it's very like there is actions that happen here that lead to a certain thing as opposed to more of like, oh, this line can mean multiple. It's like when you read a book at different parts in your life or something like that, it could apply to different situations. And I think kind of leaving it more open-ended like that um, kind of opens opens that door up to more people to be able to read the lyrics. And it just poses more questions. Maybe it'll get people to think about, think about them a little bit more. So the U isn't supposed to be necessarily like a specific individual who has like a name? Not in like in self destruct yeah, seminar, no. In mm-hmm. in uh Sheridan Road, no. These songs are very like it's very fake. It's 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 sort of like either face value or, or for interpretation. Um definitely, yeah, definitely. I would say like when, yeah. when we're talking about like like some dead fuck in uh self destruct seminar, I don't think that's about one spot. Chaucer, dude. Chaucer. I don't even know, <laughs> I don't know who Chaucer is. I've never the, heard uh... that name before today. It reminds me What's of soft book? serve. It rhymes with soft serve. Ever, what's the Canterbury Tales. Canterbury Tales. Yeah. Canterbury yeah, yeah. Tales. Chaucer, Chaucer wrote the Canterbury. Is that like Harry Potter? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's <laughs> just like Harry Potter, dude. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, dude. It's yeah. Okay. They're they're we'll considered right they're considered basically yeah, the same book more or less. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a, a a speed run of uh Canterbury Tales after this. So yeah. I mean, I guess like this this what you're doing, I get this actually kind of leads um into the, the next question we have because because throughout this entire interview, actually, you guys have been quite, you know, uh jocular, making jokes back and forth. Um, and it seems to be honest, when we read your album lyrics, we both kind of thought it like I hope this isn't <laughs> I hope this isn't a misinterpretation because we both found it to be funny in some parts. Um not in like the haha the kind new of one like or the old one. The new one, the new one. Okay. Yeah. Um yeah, not be. in like the haha, like this is a specific joke sense, but kind of in the dark humor of say like a song that maybe Faith the More's R V, which has that line, you know, I'm a swinging guy, throw a rope over the shower curtain rod and swing. Um, because you have lines like uh, my organs feel like they're covered in chewed gum or a journey oh, yeah. filled with shit and praise. I'll be the most charming man in the universe. Just watch how everyone is laughing when I talk. Or it's like the safety in watching reruns. Um, today, I think I'll take a brick and throw it on the highway. Like they seem kind of darkly bizarre and amusing. Um, if this is your intent to be a bit silly and to have a bit of humor, what oh, I guess is both of your take on this? Like, um, is introducing humor or silliness uh into metal challenging uh is it something that you've had pushback on or is it just something that naturally kind of fit into the narrative that you're trying to tell 
I think it's something that's going to get yeah. you're going to get pushed back on for sure. Yes, to all of everything <laughs> yeah. you just said. Okay. People have given us pushback. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. People, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, you get it. We're guys that like have senses of humor. This band, a big part of like what we wanted to do with the Grove was kind of like it's sort of like let's show them who the fuck we are let's give the world war forged for who we are as people for who you know it's sort of like we're band members we're humans like behind the music fucking you know we're people we're five guys and um i think that humor is a big part in it you look at a song like bliss joined of the bang which has a lot of humorous lyrics it's you know when you get fucked up when you're out partying drinking you know with the people you want to be hanging out with you're usually doing it in a good party setting you've been to a party before it's Mm -hmm. it's it's sort of kind of like i feel like it kind of goes it's it's like the sultry nature of drinking and getting fucked up and like you know it's like being a class act but not being a class act it's it's yeah i mean it's just like i don't know we're we're all like you know like we're friends we're all friends before we're 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 like band members like we're all like it's like we all feel comfortable with each other to like say certain shit around each other like we're in a different way too like we're not the type of band that like we're not the guys that think it's funny to do like a banjo cover of a song that's too fast and it just sounds stupid (laughs) we're not just trying to like let's cover bruno mars it's like we're not trying to patronize yeah it's we're not trying to come from this humorous aspect to patronize it we're Mm -hmm. coming at it with an angle to kind of make it more human to make it more like oh yeah okay this is an emotion Mm-hmm. that people feel you know and it's like all these motherfuckers are singing about it, 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 it i feel like when you come from music in a one-dimensional aspect and you're going for just something dark or just something evil you end up with something that just gets so oversaturated with one emotion as opposed to something that you know ranges all over the board so you got a song like with some humor in it like bliss joined to the bane and then you know a line like uh, it's like watching, you know, it's like watching what was the reruns? It's like watching Bud had? Dwyer uh, uh the reruns on repeat. It's like the, the safety and watching out. reruns. Oh yeah, yeah even yeah, though yeah. you have the, the Bud Dwyer on repeat that yeah, line. That was no, a was yeah. th- no, I was thinking of the one you said. Alex was oh, okay. wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like for that example, I have like there might be some humor in that, but I didn't write it with the intention of humor. Mm. Like that that whole song is a very personal song, the last song, um Painted Heart. Uh, for me, I wrote the lyrics to that one and that line, you know, it's like the safety and watching reruns is sort of like, I wrote that in a perspective of like, you know, you get home. There's so many, there's, I feel like there's such a human instinct these days in people where it's like, you, you get up, you go to work, you come home, you pop on your favorite. And if you, it's like everybody that watches the office, everybody Mm -hmm. that like Mm -hmm. finds the comfort in the shit that they know and the shit that that's their day to day their every life the things that make them feel safe the things that make you feel like my life is stable because i'm doing this one thing i always do so Mm -hmm. that's an indicator of stability but uh it's interesting that you find the humor in that line because that might not be the purpose of it but i love that somebody is able to get something like that out of it because it is kind of like yeah there's safety in watching reruns but it's like who wants to fucking watch reruns give me something new but then you have me 
that's like, oh, I watched The Sopranos six times. You know, it's like, <laughs> what am I feeding into my own bullshit? But I am. I, and I, that's I, the best part of it. And I, I definitely remember about it. I definitely remember thinking that lyric was weird when you like when you showed it to. Like, I don't know. I thought like I think the word rerun just like mm-hmm. right. I, it's not a metal word. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 I had it. I I think of cereal and like cartoons when I hear the word rerun. And that's the idea. It's yeah. Like you think it's of like, things that aren't sick. dangerous yeah. to you. You're you're thinking of a word that's. It's not a word that's you know like destruction or whatever the fuck it, it's something that you wouldn't Pestilence. see in a metal song and it's so like you're that's... you're definitely both aware that like some of these phrasings are a bit like not i guess what you'd the stereotype of metal right that like this kind of i mean yeah. it kind of has like idea. a like a bukowskian kind of uh it's, yeah it was a concerted effort for mm-hmm. sure yes for okay sure. <laughs> it's a bit of a concerted effort i mean there's a, there's there's a i mean it's just the idea of pushing it outside of that box well, yeah lyr- right. lyrically me what can we convey without it being overtly metal right. so lyrically, is- me and jason are on the same page a lot with that shit we're like we listen to a lot of non-metal stuff that has lyrics like that where like it's right. a little more like honest it's not like very like thesaurus-y kind of lyrics mm-hmm. where like you try to pick out like big words to like make it sound more evil or something it's like we both had that kind of like uh understanding with each other when we were writing lyrics on the shit like we were gonna like do something that was a little right. bit more we, we didn't down want to earth. do that type of right. thing right 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 hmm. yeah. well we did want to ask you about some other kind of major themes that we noticed off the new album um let's do it one um is a kind of back and forth between images of cars um and houses so for cars right. no uh, no land man states i'm the headache from inhaling exhaust fumes heated like a radiator and sheridan road lists actual street names in the lyrics uh, and houses appear in lines like reupholstered and refinished with the fresh coat of mace um, on him of broken teeth. Uh, and the song House of Resentment is unsurprisingly built entirely around the metaphor of house. Uh, is this all chance or is there something on this record about this sort of like domestic lifestyle or context, perhaps the kind of stereotypical emblems of American success, like the house yeah, and the car? Yeah, shit right there. I was, I was definitely looking for like, more of a domestic a domesticism feel to metal mm-hmm. because it's something I feel like isn't as uh it's so man this is so fucking fun to talk about <laughs> it's insane that's though, a great like, quote to that's hear awesome. those references because there's a lot of that shit where it's like oh man it like the car leaking in there oh hell yeah and we'll get into that right now mm-hmm. but um it's, basically, <laughs> it's like you know a lot of this record was written in 2021 mm-hmm. uh which was headlong into the pandemic sure so a lot of my time in the pandemic was spent driving because I wasn't going to work every day. I had, a, and I, I, me and Alex live in Chicago proper. We live downtown, you know, in the city um, where we would take public transportation to our jobs. I would, we would take the Chicago CTA trains to work, take the bus. And, I, you know, we stopped doing that every day. So I started driving a lot more and driving longer distances. I mean, there was like Sheridan Road, for example, that whole song is a stream of conscious about a drive. It's about getting baked as fuck and getting in your car and going on a sick ass cruise and just kind of like what that's like, what that was like for me is sort of the angle of that song was written. But when you look at a song like him of broken teeth and you're talking about the line reupholstered and refinished with a fresh coat of mace, like that wasn't written specifically to be, that was actually inspired by furniture restoration. Cause I have a good friend that does furniture restoration for a living, but uh, it, that song in a sense is sort of about, which we'll get into it at another time more, I'm sure, but I'm very interested to see what the public thinks about that song. Cause that's like our first diss track. 
and it's a diss track <laughs> at nobody in particular. It's just an, it, it's a diss track at people who write music, um, who don't do it in a way. It, it's it's supposed to be sort of about the type of music that you see that's not about the artistic value of it, but just sort of to make a product. And it's it's sort of a song that highlights like you just do the same motherfucking shit just because you want to give people a product as opposed to like writing something that's more fulfilling or more mm-hmm. creatively engaging as like, you know, and you see it, metal is like the the perfect example of like putting your heart on your sleeve and going out there and writing about, you know, topics that you're not going to see in something like in Glee or whatever. The, Glee. <laughs> How old is that? How great. Yeah, that great. Re- that was sick. Shit ass <laughs> reference. <laughs> old ass motherfucking reference. That show hasn't been on for what, like 10 years? Yeah, I think everyone that show is dead now, dude. That's not true. I, I, don't, I, don't, think think I don't think that's true. Definitely no. not dead. But you know what I mean? One guy it's, died. It's sort of like, yeah. uh, that's that's my point, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Was that, was that a decent, or? Yeah. Oh, you were talking, they were talking about like domestic, like oh, yeah. houses and cars and, uh, and the stuff. House, yeah, yeah, the houses thing, it's sort of like, um, like the street name Sheridan Road, like I said, it's inspired by an actual drive. Sheridan Road is a street in Chicago. Um, linked to the famous now, I don't even know what it's currently it's called. Jean Baptiste Pointe du Sable Drive. Wow. Yeah. Which was formerly he's the guy who founded. He's the guy who founded Chicago. Chicago. I guess I don't know. Yeah, and Lakeshore Drive, which is formerly Lakeshore Drive, which is one of the more infamous streets in Chicago that runs along Lake Michigan. You go mm-hmm. along the entire coast of the city, and uh, you could actually take that street, which turns into Sheridan, excuse me, Sheridan Road, all the way up north to Wisconsin, and and even then some, and. Uh, it's very close to where I live and it was a road I would take all the time. It, it was like, like my standard drive. I was like, I'm going for a drive cause I'm fucking bored of being in my apartment. Cause there's nowhere else to go during, a, you know, a lockdown. So, um, yeah, those street names are real streets when you're driving North down Sheridan. And I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Like I'm finally getting to like write something a little bit real, you know, it's like, I'm using real street names. This is real shit. This is about a real place. Like, there was something about it that just felt so exciting to me and so unique because I feel like it's not a lot of things you see in metal, including and, geography uh, in a song has always been like a sick thing. You know, we, yeah. we, we thought that was kind of a cool idea. You that know, was definitely a, a like, concerted. Like, it was like a, including something like decided. from home, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. that feels like home to me. And, uh, well, there's also the whole concept of like driving as far as like, uh, you and Max had the concept of like, um, like you know, having a record. record was trying yeah. to write an album that would be sick to listen to in your car. It's like an <laughs> album, yeah. and, w- and what I mean by that, it's like an album that you don't necessarily have to listen to from beginning to end. It's sort of like you could pop it on, pick out your favorite songs. Like, like the idea of the Grove is that while, of course, we have a track listing, ideally you could listen to it any way you want. You know, start mm. from the middle, start from the end, start from the beginning. Like the songs don't connect and. We want them to be individual, individ, individually digestible. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, that was very and, early on in the record. That was like a very like, and I important think, uh, concept. Kind of linked the idea of anyway. The idea I of driving leaked itself into that. That's surprise. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump ahead here, and then we'll, we'll come back to mm. the uh, the theme question because that surprises me a little bit. What you just said there uh, that the album is supposed could be listened to anyway because we um, thought that kind of listening through it especially painted heart the final song of the album was quite distinct in a lot of ways that made us feel like final it was track. supposed to yeah. end the album like it was supposed to be the final song to listen to because you have um yeah. uh lines like 
uh, we'll talk about we'll, we'll go back again. We're you know going out of order here, but the other songs of the album are are sort of angry in a lot of ways. The emotion in there, and then this final song is lines like "My arms grow out like willow branches. I want your forgiveness." I'm speaking in tongues that talk about like nature and a chance of redemption. That you know the "I'm a fat fucking mess" lyric kind of doesn't. There's not a single <laughs> swear word on the entire song, and it asks questions like, "Do you think that I think this is all worth it? Will a sense of change ever come?" Uh, do we spend our time waiting for one, which aren't you don't use these kind of rhetorical questions on any other tracks and then it ends with this declaration that you've been ready for this from day one and that your hearts are, quote, not poisoned, not blind. Is this like is this could you listen to the song any place in the album or because because we really felt that it was kind of a way of a actually nice questioning right. everything so, else in the album. That song. Uh, is about my relationship as a friend with our former bandmate, Adrian, who we've talked about previously. I wrote that song about him leaving the band. It's a very personal song to me, which I'm, I'm, I'm totally cool about talking with. But um, a lot of like when we initially wrote that track, like musically, Alex wrote it. When we and it had gone through a few changes. Yeah, it was a um, one one major change it for went, sure. It went through a few changes <laughs> and. Uh, it wasn't going to, I mean, it, we didn't write it to be the last song. It ended up shaping itself to be the bookend. So I, yeah, I guess in a way, the first song and the last song of the records are very much meant to be a ballsy opener and like a big closer. Right. So I guess that is a good way to, to put it. Um, but emotionally speaking, that song is sort of like, I, I mean, when you look at a song like Painted Heart, it's actually, uh, Easter eggs have kind of been a big thing in Warforge's past, connections, musically, lyrically, whatever it happened to be. Painted Heart is kind of of a reflection off of the last song on our EP, Essence of the Land, which is called Tainted Heart, um, which was a song that we had always talked about trying to repurpose live, um, but nobody really wanted to do it. It's like an acoustic outro uh, kind of thing. It was kind of like, yeah, it it was sort of like a, a song that was an afterthought when it was written. Um, at the time being, but we had always talked about incorporating it into the band, but just couldn't think of a way how. So when it came to hearing the song, and I had kind of wanted to write a song that embodied a little bit more of the vibe of our lyrics on our EP, Essence of the Land, as opposed to the record voice, because while there are a lot of connections, there's definitely some differences that I think didn't carry over from Essence to Voice that I kind of like to be like, oh, you know what? Let's inject a little bit of our past into this. So it's kind of like a song that serves as like, hey, if you've been along the ride for the band so far, you know, this is kind of a little treat because we got a bunch of shit that ties in to our past discography. Um, but at the same time, yeah, it's not an ang- it's interesting because it's not an angry it, it, it. There are some anger undertones to it, I would say, but more in a, a, a theme of frustration and in and ultimately it being a song about our band. I mean, that song is basically about the story of our band during the pandemic of not working and then all of a sudden working a lot and kind of that feeling of stagnation of not knowing where your future is going to be and the fear that kind of comes with that and wanting to kind of just grab the bull by the horns when you have the opportunity to and doing so. Um, and uh, it's just cra- <laughs> that's so crazy talking about this fucking song. Uh because I've like listened to it so many times now, but it's still not even out to the public. Like as of right now, when we're recording this, yeah, it's, it's a good song right now. Thank yeah. you. I'm, yeah, I'm, I liked I'm, it. I'm glad you dig it, and it's it's definitely different for it's another different song, very big melodic one with some singing in it, and uh, 
I had known that I wanted to write a song about that, about my experience with Adrian, because I had known it, it was so fresh at the time. And it, it was such a big event that sort of happened in my life and, and with the history of the band. I mean, Adrian and I were the last original member. I'm like the last original, original member. Alex is the, the next standing guy now in the band. Um, yeah, I mean, we, the that... next longest standing dude that's been in Warforged since uh, basically almost since the inception. Yeah, like a little bit nine after months, 10 months, something like that. But um, mm. yeah, it was definitely uh, that song was definitely a big. Well, yeah, we never thought that Adrian would leave. the. I mean, he was he was act. kind of the band in our eyes for a what, what, you know, It's like it was like a lot of what we did was his vision. And it was like we never expected him to leave. And like that was a big shock. I mean, I took it as a way of I was like. I love writing songs and stuff. When he left, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to write all these fucking songs. <laughs> no, I was excited, yeah, but everyone had, else, like, I mean, Jason had a way fucking different. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot different for me. Thing for that. Yeah, yeah, he had different emotions about that. But, yeah, you know, time. it's like, but it was still like we all had that understanding that, like, he probably never was going to leave the band. It was kind of yeah, his shit. It was, it was a very, um, it was just a big change for our band. And it was something that. Uh, I guess none of us had initially ever thought about or planned for. It's one of those things Definitely where it's not. like, you know, plan for shit like that to happen. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this record is sort of about us embodying who we are as a band, because I think a lot of us, you know, Adrian did write a lot of the music previously. He had a very heavy hand in the creative aspect of the band. Mm -hmm. A lot of it was his control. And I think the Grove is kind of a representation of that control being dispersed back to the band and sort of just mm -hmm. like, hey, who are we? You know, Adrian's not here anymore, but we're still a band. You know, we're still guys that have been playing music yeah, together. We're still all friends. The, you know, we, we, we didn't. We, it's it, like we're a family. And uh, I don't think it ever crossed our mind to like break up. We were kind of just like, well, where do we go from here? Yeah. We'll just keep going, I guess. Like, so stop, you know. Yeah, we don't we don't want to. I mean, this is changing our name. Success the we've most, ever had in a band. And right. like, you know, I, I don't know. I firmly believe it's like, you know, there's there's people that have been on the Internet that have heard our new songs that are like, yeah, they should have changed their name. And you know what? Uh, fuck it or not yeah. we worked our asses off to get to where we are Maybe. we're still working our asses off to get to better places um, you know you sorry your name for two if you don't like it you don't have to fucking listen to it and uh, it's just sort of like you know you get what you're going to get with us at this point and I think I would hope and I mean at least from this point here on now that this album's coming out once it's said and done I hope it then leads to more people being like, you know what? Maybe I'll approach Warforged with no expectations. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck to expect. Um, yeah, and that's much. sort of kind of where we, I, I, at least where I want people to be at. I want people to not know what our next move is going to be. You know, this is such a, it's, it's definitely a contrast from the first record musically and lyrically as we've been discussing. And, you know, even the stuff we're working on now, I feel is a contrast of some of the stuff you're hearing on the 100%. record that drops in a month. Yes. And, uh, yeah. It's exciting. It just makes it it makes it so much more. It's like if you're doing this to the degree that, you know, we're 30, we're in our 30s as a band. We're most of us, not all of us. Most of us are fucking broke. <laughs> um, we play a style of music that a lot of it doesn't get a lot of play in places where music does. I mean, right. now we're living in a world where the music industry almost feels like it doesn't exist in certain aspects. Oh shit! Did my mic cut out? Oh no, it's good. No, you're good, man. Okay, and um, you know when you put so much, when you put so much work and time and money into something as an adult that you've been working on for so long, it's like, 
you better fucking love what you're doing. And you bet it's like if you're writing some shit that you don't like, like if you're if you're in, if you're doing some shit that you don't want to be doing, like why are you putting in all this work? You're putting in so much work into something that is such a big machine and such a big entity. You know, it's like being in a band. It's, it's a lot of work, especially if you want, you know, if you want to be in a touring band or, you know, really be in a, a band that gets some notoriety. Like you got to be loving what you're doing, because if you're not, you know, sure, it, it might make those things a lot worse. At least the harder parts a lot harder. Mm. Yeah. Well, going back to like some of your major themes, like the the other theme that we did see, you know, kind of links in with this discussion of nature that we mentioned a bit earlier uh, was themes of fire, smoke or heat. Um, so No Land Man mentions steam boiling uh, and a temperature of over 100 degrees. Um, right. Him of Broken Teeth and Sheridan Road mentioned smoking cigarettes. Bliss joined to the bane um, opens with blinding light brazenly burns a hole through my eyelids. Um, burning days is, well, called burning days uh, burn, and yeah. Uh, yeah the place that breaks your bones mentions a suit the shade volcanic uh outer husk covered in oh ashes cotton dressed of red molten chrysalis uh so what makes you keep returning to this theme of fire or heat oh man uh Jeez, man. That, that might not have been something we were consciously aware of at least yeah not, i'll yeah. give it to you <laughs> most of those lyrics that you just said i wrote a handful oh. of them. uh the first that no land man the the parts that are sort of about hate there's a whole passage that's about comparing human hate to doing fucked up shit and then to a car there's like there's a whole verse the one that you're talking about like with the steam and like mm-hmm. uh, mm. it's 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 a song essentially about anger but like trying to turn it into metaphors in 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 a way of like a, there's a whole the verse after jordan from distant tombs tim does this uh we have an effect on his vocal and it's it's more of like it's under this acoustic part of the song but it's like i'm the engine of hate blah 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 blah. it's basically describing like as like your hatred being fueled like a fucking car just mm-hmm. like like a truck and just being like fuck you motherfuckers i'm going straight into it and i mean the end of that song is about the character the no land man driving his car and getting into a giant car wreck and like getting ejected from his seat and like the last the last part of the song is about right before the dude like dies essentially the last minutes of his life are peace because he's just he's caused so much chaos and destruction that he feels an inner peace within himself as in this like nightmare of a scene and uh when it came to the other lyrics you would mention in the place that breaks your bones about mm. the uh, like the black soot and whatnot I've written that song. That's the song that I had talked about. So it's 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 kind of like two big things influence that song. Uh the Sopranos. Uh that very <laughs> of course. Day, yeah, very got it. Same, same day I wrote that was so I merged like my idea of that 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 love I was talking about before with uh some visual aspects of something that our guitar player Jace had been telling me. So this was like the summer of 2021. It was Jay, our guitar player Jace has some family that live in Hawaii and he had just flown out to visit them and he came back and uh, I hadn't seen him since he come back. So me and him got fucked up at the beach in Chicago uh, by my apartment and uh, I was getting pretty high. He was getting pretty drunk and uh, he was telling me about this crazy black sand beach that he had visited in Hawaii and was just describing it to me and I was so baked and just taking it. It sounded like 
the way J- Jace did a really good job of describing it and like the way he was telling me it, it it like took me there. I was like, fuck, I could like visualize this. And like I hadn't had anybody tell me anything like that in a really long time. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like, damn, that's really cool. Like I really got a very cool like visual representation of that. And I was like, that's it. So weed, home, laptop, Sopranos, Hawaii story, bam, place that breaks your bones. I had it done in like two days after that. Like I wrote the bulk of that song after we had gotten home from the beach because I this wave of inspiration just hit me because there's a scene in the dream Tony has with this woman <laughs> and he's wearing this really uh, it's a beautiful suit. It's like a, a gray, big gray suit, like a striped gray suit with it's like a, a muted dark orange color, like undershirt and tie. And it looks like, you know, like the, like the outside of a volcano, you open it inside and you get the, that warm lava color. And I'm like, shit, that's really cool. And it's like, probably wouldn't have been thinking about that if I wasn't smoking a joint. But, you know, I am. Here we are. The idea is there. Let's run with it. So I kind of got a little more poetic with it and merged those uh, aspects together. And it was, it was just crazy how it worked like that. It, it was just so... That's another one of those songs I wrote before. I didn't write the lyrics to the song. I wrote the lyrics on their own. I didn't even li- like. Yeah, that was at a point where we were literally in. just writing lyrics just to have, and and we actually took the lyrics and fit them into the song. I, I gave yeah. the lyrics to Alex, to which then he found the room and. Yeah, there's a few uh, songs on the songs. album like that where we just kind of yeah, J- Jason would kind of like free write some right. shit and then like and I would I'd give it to figure Alex out what a chorus would be, what a verse would be, stuff like that, and it just kind of fit it in, you know, because I I, I demo all the vocals and stuff, so mm-hmm. like I was kind of like that was my duty was to be like right. all right, I'm gonna fuck with this and like yeah that it, I was very I think that was like the first one we did it was that and then Sheridan yeah because those it, two songs I was like really most. surprised how well it fit I was like. Cause I was nervous. I was like, oh, fuck, like he yeah. wrote all this stuff and I didn't know how I was going to fit it. And then it happened. I was like, oh, that actually fit really well. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it was awesome. It was great. Burning yeah. Days. You brought up that song. Yeah, well, That's uh, one of the few that Alex and I wrote together. We both yeah, wrote, wrote that over that Messenger. Um, <laughs> and Alex had so Alex had that song and he had a couple lyrics for it that were really sick, but he was like stumped on him and he was trying to think of some stuff for some parts. So he sent it to me. And there was this theme, you know, the demo was called Burning Days. That's another one of the, I think that and No Land Man are the only, the only titles ones. we kept Definitely. from the initial titles, uh, like from the demo yeah. titles. We, when you write a song, you save it as some dumb bullshit line. And Like you you had <laughs> yeah. the first verse to that song, which has the first lines verse, about suffocating on fumes. And then the chorus, I think. I so there's kind of like this fire theme going as it was to Burning Days. Yeah. And um, it was kind of like... Uh, I wrote these lyrics that sort of brought in this allegory of like wasting your money and wasting your time as like burning your money and burning your, you know, just like burning your fucking life away. And I tried, I, at that point was like, this is cool. We got these fire metaphors going. Why don't I try a little bit more things, you know, like the wicker man was that that's where I got that lyric about the wicker man on display. You could count on my my pockets being lined with ash. It's about being a broke ass motherfucker. That's literally what that line's about. It's about when you want to go out and ball out and you're like, oh yeah, I have $5 in my pocket. Or it's like, oh yeah, I have to wait two more days because I only have X amount of money in my bank account. You know, you just, it's like, you just that's up, just doing stupid yeah. shit with your money. Feeling, feeling like you about. fucked up your life and you don't have what it sounds cooler, for it, you know, right? when you put it in the euphemism of a, like a wicker man, because it's like, <laughs> what? 
what is this that movie with Nick Cage where he's fucking punching motherfuckers? Beat, yeah, or the OG stung. with Christopher Lee, right? Which is so a great film. These repeated uh, references to fire then that keep coming up. You feel like they all kind of had individual motives. It wasn't like an attempt to have sort of a theme right. for the album. Okay. No. 100%. Yeah. They one hundred percent individual yeah. motives. It's mm-hmm. it's cool hearing about these like yeah, themes that are that. present throughout the record because it's like we wrote a lot of these songs you know, in a very similar, you know, in, in, a, in a similar timeline. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that there's themes that are kind of intertwining here, but it's it's because, like, I don't know, Alex and I, our, our heads, like, look at these songs in such a way mm-hmm. that once you start to hear other people talk about them, it's really interesting because that's shit. Like, we didn't pick up on that. Or the I and oh. you stuff, like, I didn't pick up on that either. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I figured I, that, would, that makes more sense because I figured yeah. it was more narrative than the last the record, burning, Yeah, because, you know? like... The but fire metaphors, the only just, time it yeah. was really intentional was Burning Days. Was that right? Okay. That's like yeah, where those lyrics title. I was trying to get more lyrics in that kind of theme. And it and it makes it easier when you're writing with another person to kind of have a central theme because then you guys are agree on the like yeah, writing more towards that was what was so hard about makes more sense. So hard and then about you get two lines that you know, man, you could get no lines land, that man. fit one theme. So we were trying to write No Land Man. We couldn't even agree on like what the theme was. We were kind of like, and then you just kind of settled on something. It was like, all right. Well, Alex works. wrote a bunch of shit, and then he was like, yeah. Eh. And then he went I wrote so some stuff. Like, that eh. fucking, yeah, it was it was a pain in the ass. Man. I have them too. I have. Yeah, them I got them all too. <laughs> but yeah, it was it's yeah, it was interesting because yeah, like we we could not agree on a theme for No Land Man, and then Jason just all of a sudden he was like, this is what it's about. Like yeah, I was kind of like, leaned okay. into this destructive thing with it, and it was it, it works. It's a, a lot heavy better. dark song, right? It's one of like, and it's the intro. You want to come out kicking ass, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like it's so funny because I feel like everybody would have expected us to make that the first single on the album and it's like nope you like we're not going to release it before yeah. it comes out eclectic singles I want, is the way to go you know it's it's sort of yeah we go for like the songs that we know people are going to be like well you guys a fucking deathcore band now <laughs> like, that's that's where we're at right now we yeah, not exactly we put out blister under the bane people on reddit were like they're a deathcore band now fuck them <laughs> and then we put out sheridan road and then people were like this song is really good but i don't like it fuck them and it's like, it doesn't make any no, sense. we actually got a good response to that song. Yeah, it's very weird. It's people like, did actually kind of like that one more than was, the first song. And I knew that was going to be the case, and that's fine. But it's like, we got plans. You know, we we have me a meeting behind all this. There's reasons why we do this stuff the way we do it. So, okay. Well, this next question, um, our final sort of theme we noticed might also just be kind of individual song based. But I guess, like, looking at the album as a whole, we kind of felt that. Um, there's a combined theme of sort of anger and self-contempt that runs throughout. Like anger in metal albums is obviously not an uncommon emotion, whatever. But uh, the anger on this album often feels kind of like futile or miserable. Like when the protagonist or singer describes themselves as dull and alone, fear-ridden, worry-prone, lost and empty, vaguely self-destructive, or says, I've let years of my life burn up in smoke, but there's time ahead before the breakdown starts. Um, was kind of anger, especially sort of a... I, like in, kind of an impotent or like um, frustrated anger, uh, a, a theme that you kind of came to this album with, or is it just something that sort of came up uh, track to track, like the fire theme? Yeah, it might be a track to track type. I don't know. Like, I I mean, the, I wrote both those lines and like, I just feel like uh, that's kind of the way I approach a lot of shit in life. I feel like a lot of times uh, certain like uh, emotions, especially like strong emotions, like anger and stuff are, can feel futile i mean especially like during like 2020 2021 like it's sometimes you're just like sitting alone and you're like i don't even know what i don't even know what the fuck i can <laughs> even like 
feel valid in thinking. So like mm-hmm. sometimes it does feel that way, like especially with those two lines you just said, like those are very much like uh, like uh, that kind of a thing where it's like I don't even know like what I can feel about this anger. It's just kind of like a it feels futile for sure. Like you, you know, a lot of emotions. I don't know. It's it, it, I have a certain way of regulating my own emotions where I kind of uh try to make fun of myself or try to uh you know try to uh invalidate certain emotions that might feel strong that might like you know kind of you know knock me off my uh normal way of living if i lean into them you know and that's that's kind of what that is i think definitely when i hear that lyric in bliss joint of the bane like the fear ridden worry prone lyric it reminds like my way of internalizing it is sort of like when I, i look at it i see it as a line of like you know, it's, it's sort of saying it's like, well, we're using we use our vices as vices. But one of the main reasons we use our vices is because they relieve anxiety. They relieve fears. They relieve, yeah. you know, so that line speaks to me. It's like, oh, this dude is getting fucked up because it's going to make him less anxious and more down to just, you know, loosen up. And like, you know, it's like what to do. Uh, what's the line? What to do dull and alone fear with and, worry, and worry prone. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what I do when I fucking am worrying like a maniac, I smoke weed. You know, <laughs> it's like, but that's a vice, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm using a substance yeah. to quell, you know, an anxiety. Yeah. You don't want to lean into that fear. Like but you don't want to lean into that anger or that fear. So you kind of just the, uh, the anger theme that you're talking about. It definitely wasn't there from the get go, but it was clearly there <laughs> by the end of it. It was sort of like, we've never really, uh, I felt like at least previously with our band, we never really touched on that emotion, like anger. And I feel like in death metal, anger is a common emotion, but it's portrayed in such, in, in a lot of, in a lot of very narrow lined ways. Violent where it's way sort of, or yeah, violent, yeah. Kill, motherfucker. Uh, and, you know, we have violent, No Land Man is a very violent song. Um, probably the most violent song we have as far as this band goes, which was even one to write because it's I wrote it from this perspective and it, it's sort of like there was parts where I was writing that song and I was like fuck like you know I had to take myself back and be like all right this is for the song this is not like necessarily how I might directly feel but this is how the song is kind of going in the direction it's, it's a very angry song and um you know I, I think the anger pops up but it's anger for different things in different ways and I, I really think a lot of it popped up like because of the the, the place we were in writing that record you know we had just gone from being in a touring band to the pandemic knocking that shit away and crushing our first record cycle essentially and um you know there there's a lot of aggression built up with with certain things like that and then writing a more angry record you know coming at emotions at least more in an angry it's like i feel like this record is angry in different ways like him of broken teeth is an angry song about the music industry uh no land man is an angry song about what it feels like before you're gonna snap um self-destruct seminar is an angry song about people who think they know what's best for you um you know it's like there is anger is a common theme and i feel like a lot of it comes from that feeling of no control because when you're i mean when that pandemic hit it just took that rug from underneath us where it's just like we have no control uh, over our situation at you know, and especially really early on, because it's like nobody knew about the virus. Nobody knew about nobody knew what to do. Nobody knew how to acclimate to it. I mean, it was a whole fucking up and change. And that's a scary thing for a lot of people and for the world. And, uh, 
you know, it creates a lot of not having control. I feel like creates a lot of anger for people when you're not in control of your situation. Sometimes at the beginning of this interview, you mentioned the potential lyrics to be therapeutic. Is that, is that come back in here? In a way. Yeah. I think that the lyrics were, are more therapeutic in a sense of like, you know, like a song like no land man for me was therapeutic in a way where it's like, it's like, okay, I'm getting a feeling out that I felt before, but in a way that like, you know, you would, that could be more like, it's more accessible in a story format. So it's sort of like, it felt like it was therapeutic in a sense of like, I'm writing a song about anger, but it's sort of one of those songs where it's like, it has a very destructive end to it. Whereas the song touch, the album touches on anger, I would say, but in a lot of different ways Mm -hmm. in maybe in even more ways where it's a little bit more manageable and a little bit more understandable as to like, you know, like a song, like, like when I look at a song like painted heart, it's a song that's about confusion, um, longing and wanting to belong. And then about persevering. Um, And you, you look at a song like no land man, which is about complete self-destruction as opposed to a song like painted heart, which is about rebuilding. It's, it's sort of like, Mm -hmm. I feel like in a, in a way it was therapeutic for me because it went from like, I mean, the whole thing was therapeutic for me because I didn't know where the fuck we were going to be as a band when Adrian had left to then us finishing an entire record on our own, which mm. was something that, you know, I think all of us were very, uh, very skeptical on how we would do it, but we did it. And I love what we came, what we came up with. Um, the whole thing done in less than a year and fucking, yeah, it all, it all felt good. Like, you know, just, uh therapeutic in a way that like like jason said where it's like you just get you get the shit out man like it's not even that like yeah. I, I, it's not even that i didn't think it was there or like it was a, a big like breakthrough that it was like oh wow i can't believe i think that it's like it's just good to say like it. we we live in a world now where a lot of art is self-deprecating and i think we also live in a world now where there's a lot of people that look at that self-deprecating art and they're like you know artists shouldn't be you know, it's like art. Like I, I know there's people out there that say stuff that where they're like, "Oh, it's the artist's responsibility to handle." Like, you know, and it's like, what? Like that's where I stop. Where I'm like, okay, as far as I know, as an artist, it's my responsibility to be a musician and an artist. I didn't right. know yeah. it was my Not responsibility responsibility to be somebody else's therapist. Right. It's like hmm. the music. Our music is therapy for us. I mean, this record is therapy for us. It's 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 us. It's war for yeah. it's it's us. And, uh, and if it hits you or misses you, know, you fucking take it for what it is. Yeah, you know? You know, We're not responsible for your that, feelings. That's something relate to. I think it's great. But I think that it, it's there's a stigma on these bands in a way where it's like sometimes people are like, well, if the band is going to sing about something self-destructive or self-deprecating, they should then be responsible enough to lyrically correct that or show the correct behavior to that. But it's like, no. <laughs> like oh, like make me you know it's like uh you know i'm sure I, i'll tell you what it is you, what what do i do like i'm mm. fucking therapist you know it's like <laughs> i have a therapist to be my therapist mm. like mm. if i went to alex for therapy i i don't yeah, even know dude. if i'd be alive be dead but bro like, <laughs> i'd fucking make, I'd, I'd see to it bro it's like you know it's, it's like <laughs> this record it's like i'm not we're not trying to put out a record that solves everybody's problems no. it's like we made this record like this was the record that we needed to make for us this kind of links to the the question that we we have at the end here which is um what do you think is the role of language in warforged 
as like an art form or more broadly in the genre of uh, extreme metal itself? I hope the link, I hope the language of Warforged, like to the concept, to the context of metal itself. I, I just hope it's a different take on it. That's all I hope is that I, I want it to be, or at least I hope our language is something that you won't expect from another band. And it's something that you'll only get by listening to us, which obviously it's like, how many metal bands are there in the world? A bi- you know, billions. Let's go on metal archives and, <laughs> yeah. and then let's start looking at like the bands that, you know, it's like, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're not grammatical geniuses. I just want our music to make you think about something different at the end of the day. And I hope the language of Warforge just makes somebody think something different than they would have been thinking of then list then while they then maybe what they would think of listening to their other favorite metal bands or the metal bands that they're used to hearing. I yeah, hope it's just doing something honest. We like, just hope the language yeah. is honest and, and, and we hope the honesty provides uniqueness in a way. It's like uniqueness yeah, and right. honesty is is the approach. That's what you can hope for, I think, in general as an artist. It's like if you're I think like your goal is to be like uh as as like true to what you think is good as possible, like as true to like what you think is like a sick song or sick lyrics. Like I think that's the, the most important thing is just making sure that you're you're being as honest with yourself to to like what you're writing. Um and I, I hope that I mean I think that we achieved that with this record. I think that like this in this time period of our band in our lives like we did something that was like what we want to do and like i i don't think you can ask anything from any band you know like you can't ask anything more from them like i think like you should only expect that from a band like you shouldn't expect them to sound like their last record you shouldn't expect them to sound like some other band you like it's like just you know do what you do do what you want to do and that's that sounds like cliche but it's it's honestly like just I mean, like writing music metal, that's what it you know? is it's like yeah, that's what that's metal what was about 100 percent, yeah different and you know we're just gonna try to keep that train going where it's sort of yeah. like you know hey we love metal of course but we want to give you something different with metal and yeah, I that's kind of the i'm oh, sorry that's, that's just kind of the 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 conundrum right with with a genre like metal you try to do something different and then you have once you start doing something different, then you have a new thing that isn't different. So you have to do something different to what's different. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you know, you, you end up like, how do you do something different to something different to something different without, right. Yeah. yeah, You end up like, it's like, how do you go from writing a concept, super dark concept record to not, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. it's the same, it's the same ideology without going back to what, like going back to what, uh, you know, avoiding the darkness without going back to the very thing that metal was trying to react against it creates right. it, it's tricky right it puts you well, in a I weird think, place i think the answer to that is to try to not like worry about the things that make it different or th- just mm-hmm. just do what you want to do if you want to fucking write a tears for fears part like just do it <laughs> who gives a shit you know it's like i don't know it's just like i think like trying to react to like uh i think being different is only good if it comes naturally you know, or trying to like mm. do that. It's like it's only it's only sick if it comes like from a place of like just sincerity, because otherwise it's like if you're trying to be different for the sake of being different, it's like well, just whatever. You're just gonna ends get, up like, being obvious. Yeah, that's what it is. Gonna get fucking Mister Bungle, dude. Shots fired. Oh, that is that, we're gonna. <laughs> that's like it. Mr. I love Mister Bungle. This is a uh, no, we're, I do, we're, I do, we're in a getting into tested territory here. I just get I get a lot of uh uh critique uh, not critique but like uh people always tell me my vocals on the record the clean vocals sound like mike patton and i don't get it so i, wanna, I don't think that wanna, at all i want to fire really? i want to fire some yeah shots, we get that right? a lot like, we've gotten that from a bunch of people though yeah like, oh, he sounds like that, mike patton. That didn't i, I i'm a huge mike patton 
fanboy but like i so i've i've listened to i think every major album he's put out and i did not get any mike Patton vibes from your, from I like your that. what vibes do you get from his voice uh well i didn't know it was him that's like that that was a, that was a, something un, you know, uncovered at the beginning of the interview something i i was like, just surprised that you guys had clean vocals i was kind of just like mm. oh okay like it took me a sec to be like oh okay so this is gonna have clean vocals in the album and like i oh, yeah. i dug it it was uh it wasn't expected at all because I, you know, I listened to your first album yeah. and stuff, and there's nothing, you know, uh, the the whole the whole like uh, sonic experience of this album I think is a little bit different. It's a little like, um, uh, the first album has that kind of wall of sound feel, if you know what I mean. Right, uh, whereas this right. one, like, it's still got that like it still sounds like you guys, but it's got like a bit it breathes a bit more. It has like a bit, um, and then when you add that with like clean vocals, I was like, oh, okay, but I didn't, I wasn't like, aha. California. <laughs> yeah. This right, right, is a Mr. Yeah. Bungle song now. No, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. Okay, I didn't feel cool. like. I didn't feel like. Yeah. Oh, they. they like you know, that. they sound like a uh, disco volante here. You know, that wasn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My favorite Mike no. Patton thing is uh the Peeping Tom record. That's like a good that. album. Yeah. That's a fucking yeah. awesome record, dude. That's like probably the only thing I really like by Mike Patton. I like Mike Patton and like. You I like, like some, the Dillinger? I like some faith them? no more. I like that record, you but <laughs> everything else Dillinger does, I like a little more. But like, you know. That's definitely like Peeping Tom yeah. record is so sick, dude. So good. Yeah, him doing pop music was in I like it was a weird, yeah, weird thing, but I liked shit, it. Dude. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. When you try to like when an artist tries to restrict themselves in a way, you know. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh I'm I'm always happy to talk about how great my patch is. <laughs> <laughs> well, hell yeah. Yeah. Well, sick. So um where can people obviously uh this will come out a little bit after the album releases yeah. uh so Sick. people will probably already know where to get it but just in case uh okay. where can they go to you know where should they go to check it out where should they go to check out more warforged we have uh if you're looking to buy any copies of our stuff please go to uh either the artisan era store or nightshiftmerch.com. Mm-hmm. our new album is there all of the merch items for our new album are there we have some sick ass shit uh, you can wear while you're jamming these motherfucking hard ass jams. Mm-hmm. Uh, every streaming service, bam, you know, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, Title, Amazon Music, Napster, probably even. Yeah, for real. Napster. We're on yeah. Napster. So Visa. take your pick. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have merch we sell ourselves uh, through our own personal web store, uh, which you can find links to on our social, various social media sites. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say uh, yeah, you Spotify, know, YouTube. Please pick up our up. shit uh, on Artisan's website because that helps us the most, at least as far as the record. And uh, if you already bought that shit, then buy shit from us, our yeah. our stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would say you could re- check it out anywhere. You damn well fucking please that you listen to music. <laughs> okay, well we'll have at least some of those links in yeah, the description. Yeah. <laughs> Warforged, right. Warforged, all one word. Uh, not to be confused with the Brazilian one that's been inactive since twenty. Yeah, they're a okay. black metal band that yeah. got. <laughs> so the war, look for the Warforged yeah. that's actually making music. That's a pretty yeah. easy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, first yeah, look clue, for yeah. twenty. Yeah, look right. for twenty twenty two on the uh, right. YouTube uh, <laughs> on the dates. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. Hell yeah. Thanks for having us on. This was awesome. Yeah, good to talk to you guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Lingua Rutalica. We hope you enjoyed it and we hope you stay tuned for our next episode. Before we leave, we just wanted to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging.